And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Illogic. Foolish emotions. A constant irritant. And transpire out! Freak! Two! Belong in a circus. <laughs> right next to the dog-faced boy. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Oh, oh. It's a super prize package worth $9,388. Money. This isn't the biggest bag over the head. Punch in the face I ever got. God damn it! Ow! Go away, Peyton. And now, together by live simulation via the internet, your hosts, Scott Gardner. He killed a police officer for Christ's sake. Thank God, damn lucky he didn't kill him. And Chris Honeywell. Keep away! Keep away from me! You are physically repulsive, intellectually retarded, vulgar, insensitive, selfish. Stupid. You have no taste, a lousy sense of humor, and you smell. So you're looking at me? Yeah, because she thought you're some kind of freak. Now come on, let's go. She likes me, eh? No way. Shut up, you freak! Julia, shoot. I say shut up! It's a man! Hello and welcome to Two True Freaks. Whew, haven't said that in a long time. Yeah. This is episode 503. My name is Scott Gardner and joining me once again, holy cow, has it been too long, is my very best friend, Chris Honeywell. Hello. Hello. How's it going, man? It's going great. How's it going with you, my old I'm, friend? <laughs> I'm doing very well, old chum. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, man. I, God, it's been way too long. Way too long. But uh, it's, here we are. It takes a Star Wars movie to pull us together, man. I know, I know. You know, here's the thing is that... At least we're guaranteed you know, once a year now. I was just going to say the same thing. Exactly the same thing. So even if we don't get our shit together in the next year, well, <laughs> there's always next year. So. It's like, yeah, this is like <laughs> Star Wars yearly monthly Monday. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, figure out how that works. <laughs> There's one for the time travelers making your head hurt. So, yes, uh, this is our, uh, gotta say it, I guess, our spoilerific, right? We're going to oh, spoil this one? Oh, we... we we've got to. It'll be 15 minutes long if we don't, you know? Yeah. It'll be like, I, well, I mean, not it. like I didn't like it. It's end. not like it's not already made. There was something the other day. I can't remember what site it was. But there was one of those, ad, you know, pay for top space on facebook you know friggin clickbait thing yes, the other day yes. it was like movie phone or some shit like that yes and it was like the 19 cameos you missed in rogue one who's and that who missed was, those yeah i saw that yeah. say i clicked i i fell for that same article and i'm like no i think i got every single one i did not click on it but i tell you what well i didn't click on the article what i did was i clicked on the post 
And I just put something like, this post is like the biggest dick move ever or something. Because it was the very day. It was this... No, I, I take it back. It was it was yesterday. It was Saturday. So as we record this, peek behind the curtain. Today is, uh, as we record this, this is Sunday evening. So the movie's been out for, what, a couple of days at this point. Yeah. But I'm thinking, you know, the movie's been out, you know, like 24 hours or maybe 48 by that point, And you're already on the internet with spoilerific stuff. It's... They you know, know I that like, people I, are weak and they like money. <laughs> well, I mean, I know that, that, you know, everybody thinks that, you know, when it's some huge tentpole movie like this, that everybody is immediately in their seat, you know, midnight, you know, Thursday night or whatever. But that's not necessarily true. I mean, people have real lives, you know, and not everybody can. I mean, hell, I haven't even seen Doctor Strange yet. Oh, so. Wow. I need to. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm going to make. I'll probably go this week, as a matter of fact. But I just haven't had time or money, you know. Mm-hmm. And and it, when it came down to, you know, Doc Strange versus Star Wars, there's there's not a hell of a contest, right? There, you know right. what I mean? So either way, Disney's getting your money. <laughs> yeah, this is very true. At this point, they might as well just not even cut me a check and yeah, just right. You know, give I would, me would say you should just work on the you know? barter system. Yeah, exactly. It's basically what it comes down to between you know movies and. The souvenirs and everything else that I get, it's pretty much, yeah, just hold on to the paycheck and just cut me a percentage, you know? Yeah, it's like musicians working at a record store, yep. <laughs> it's like that, you know, when we used to live in uh, in Carrollton in Georgia there, you know, years and years and years ago, when, when uh, I think it was when Scotty was small, I worked uh, part-time at, uh, at one of the mom-and-pop comic shops there, and that was totally, you know, for comics. I didn't, yeah. I didn't ever made a dime working at that place. It was it was labor for comics. Which yeah, hell, well, that's, if I get away with a, that today. And, and still... if you know what you're doing with comics, that's a good that's a good paycheck. Could be that's, a good paycheck. Yeah, it wasn't a bad gig. But uh, anyway, not here to talk. Well, we might end up talking a little bit of comics in the, in this whole yeah. thing because I definitely had some comparisons with things that happened. But oh, yes, good. Me is, too. Uh, this will be our big. Rogue One spoilerific uh, review episode, and uh, what's funny is you know we were, you and I were talking just a little bit before we actually hit the record button, and uh, you know just I don't I don't know if it was through planning or lack of planning or dumb luck or whatever, but neither one of us are really coming into this with notes, so this is going to be a very just off the cuff you know uh, train of thought kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've been thinking about it not pretty much nonstop since seeing mm-hmm. the movie, and still, in a lot of ways, I still feel like you know to, to cross the streams a little bit. I still feel like the the old Star Trek computer, you know, computer going working. You know, I still feel like yeah. I'm processing at this point. But at this point, I I feel like I'm fairly solidified in in how I ended up feeling about the movie. So I'm really curious, you know, where we're going to agree, where we may might disagree, and ultimately just kind of what our what our overall score and, and feeling will be for the movie, I guess. But I, I know that you were really chomping at, at the bit about this, so uh, I, I kind of want to let you run first, because something tells me, I, I think you actually liked the movie uh, uh, on a whole nother level beyond what you know what I took away from it. Yeah, I'm still trying to decide exactly which level. I definitely liked it. I'm trying to decide exactly which levels I liked it and, and how much, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not that I don't have a few few complaints about it, but for the most part, um, I've been I I've been looking forward to it because um, uh, and and you and I had a different reaction uh, on emotional levels with Force Awakens. I was it, 
really like I was excited about Force Awakens and I liked Force Awakens, but a lot of me was more excited for this for the standalone movies or more intrigued with them. You know, I was like, yeah, yeah you know, some of them could the the way they look like they're doing it. Some of them could fail. Some of them could do really good. But there's a lot of potential in there to get neat stuff out of there. And I know from past experience with Star Wars that a lot of the good stuff comes from the sidelines. And, and you know, you have the main thrust of the story, but a lot of the stuff that, that fills it in or is off to the side sometimes is really great too. So I was looking forward to it and... Then all of a sudden the warning bells went off because there were rewrites, or, you know, and reshoots, and at the last, you know, at the in the twelfth hour of it. So I was thinking, oh, maybe that's not good. And they were saying, ah, it's a little too dark and serious. So they're trying to lighten it up, and I'm like, oh no, because I had just that was about the same time I, I think I I had watched Suicide Squad, <laughs> so. And seeing what happened with that, with rewrites and filming and re-edits and weirdness and stuff like that. So that sort of dampened it a little bit. But as it got closer and closer, I was really looking forward to it to the point of where I actually sort of uh, prodded Scott 2.0. I'm like, eh, maybe we want to buy our tickets in advance, you know, just to, just to nail this sucker down, you know. Luckily, we didn't. it didn't matter because it was a snowstorm that day. So it was like... A quarter full theater of hardcore nerds, and you could hear reactions to different things throughout the whole movie, but everybody was just enjoying the enjoying the hell out of it, you know. And at the end, you could see everybody just sort of that stunned silence, and then blah 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 started talking. So that that's always a good sign. And uh, I was up. We went to a ten fifteen showing. I was up till four thirty in the morning, just sort of you know decompressing, thinking about it. And uh, it's it's a different. It's a familiar Star Wars movie. It's a but it's different at different kind at the same time. I'm I'm very excited with what where they're going with the standalones. I think this took a bit of brass balls to put this movie out first as the first it, there's some ways in it that it's safe but to to the the spoiler dark tone of the ending of it <clears throat> and general just sort of you know suicide mission genre of it is a pretty pretty strong thing to come out with as your first standalone you know rather than like young han solo or something like that you know Something, or young, you know, young Boba Fett, which is young something Boba everybody's Fett. been clamoring for, you know. Right, right. The, 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 it's like, yeah, that's like made for fan service. So, you know, walking out of the theater, Scott and I were like, that was great. <laughs> and uh, started talking about it on the way home. And then as I, then as I was at home, I was like, ah, you know trying to say how did things line up did everything line up really good and the more i thought about it the more the more i really liked it i'm i'm uh i'm very i liked it much more than force awakens and i liked force awakens i'm uh much like the the marvel movies this one just told me 
all right, Disney knows what they're doing because they, they sort of have to please everybody, but they also know that they can't just go completely non-offensive, you know, safe all the time. And it seems like they sort of let the director work his stuff. I was also a little worried because the Godzilla movie was a little slow. I enjoyed his Godzilla movie, but I was like, we can't have a slow Star Wars movie, <laughs> you know? It's it's just not going to work. It, you can't have a... Where you, on, you only see the ad-ats through, like, a view screen <laughs> on somebody's, you know, from Rebel Station or something like that. So I was hoping that it was action-oriented, and it sure was. You had the, you you had a much more, like, blockbuster premiere experience, didn't you? <laughs> well, we... Red uh, carpet we, experience. <laughs> we went to see it at the uh, the AMC, uh, AMC Theater 24, which is at Disney Springs, which used to be Downtown Disney. Um, mm-hmm. That's the new name for it. That's, is and that where we saw Tron? It is. You know... When I was I was just looking at something at work, um, there you know on our intranet uh, intranet site at work, there's a, a link where you can look at like this week in Disney history, and I think it was yesterday. I'm pretty sure 17th. Yeah, yesterday was the anniversary of when Tron Legacy debuted back in 2010. So yesterday it was that was six years ago. That's when I was coming down to hang out with you for Christmas. Can you believe that? That yeah, that was six years ago already? That's crazy. That's nuts. That and we'd is already been podcasting with each other for almost a couple of years at that point. Yeah, that is that is crazy to think that it's been six years already since that happened. But, uh, yeah, it was. It was that same theater. And what was funny is um, they must have just gone to um, assigned seating because we went there. When did... Civil War come out back in like May, I think. Yeah, I think so. When we went to see Civil War, it was the saddest thing because we bought our tickets and got our corn and, you know, the the drinks and all that stuff. Went into the theater. And do you think we could find three seats together? It was ridiculous. We, We couldn't get people to move over. We couldn't get three seats together. So my wife and I sat together. And then Logan sat, like, way off to the side, like, several rows up behind us. And I felt awful about that. You know, I mean, he's not a little kid anymore. He's 16. But still, I know he really wanted to sit with us, you know, for the for the movie. And so that kind of sucked, although we loved the movie. Don't get me wrong. But for this one, um, they've now gone to – and maybe it was just for this movie. I don't know. Maybe they don't do this all the no, time. No, theaters all- are starting to do that now. But yeah, they they did assigned seating and it was great because then, I mean, you can take all the time you want. I mean, basically you can you can fiddle fart around right up until yep. it's starting to get dark for the for the previews. So there was plenty of time to, you know, look around Disney Springs and you know grab a, a pretzel dog or whatever and you know get your popcorn and your drink and take a piss and you know, check your messages and whatever you wanted to do right up until the movie starts because you know I have a seat and I know exactly where that seat is. I don't need to hold it. I don't need to tell us, you know, okay, baby, you know, put our jackets on this chair and put your popcorn in that chair and don't let anybody, you know, there's none of that crap because it's a, you know, it's like a flight, you know, mm-hmm. and so that was awesome. I loved that. So that may become our default place to go to the movies at least until the local theater here you know goes to assigned seating because that was awesome i really liked that all our theaters are putting in the big barco lounger recliners 
and mm-hmm. doing and doing assigned seating now. And uh, it was funny though because it was something of a comedy of errors because we got in there and it was you know it, we still even with having the time you know plenty of time and everything we still got in there probably I don't know about 15 minutes before the movie was started. So we get in there and our row is like it was row T and it was like seats like eight, nine, and ten or something like that. So we get in there and we're wandering all over the place and we get, you know, we start like midway up because I thought that the, you know, when I looked at the seating chart, it was like midway up in the theater. Well, the midway up was like I don't know, like L or something. So we walk all the way to the back and it ended at I forget what letter, but it wasn't Z, you know. I'm like, where the hell is T? So I would go back down and I'm looking and it's going back down the alphabet all the way down to the bottom row, which, you know, of course, was A. No T. And, and it stopped at a certain letter, like, I don't know, like P or something. I'm like, what the hell? You know, where, where the hell is road? So we're looking all over and we're getting really exasperated and we're running out of time. And then finally, I see way at the back of the theater off to the left hand side, these people ducking through this door at the top, you know. I'm like, where the hell are they going? So I told my wife and I said to her and Logan, I said, you guys stay here a second. So I go and walk up there. And sure enough, there's like a like a spiral staircase going further up. And so I come back into the theater where they were and look above them. And there's a balcony. And I'm like, are we balcony seats? So I was like, all right, come on. So we hike up the stairs and got all the way up there. And sure enough, there was balcony seating up further up. So we were actually in the balcony for it, which I can't tell you the last time I saw a movie, you know, in a theater with a balcony. I mean, I had to be little, you know, a really little kid. Because, you know, of course, our local theater didn't have that, you know, no. back in anything. So that was actually really cool. We had a really good seat, really good view of the movie. So that was great. And the sound was really good and all that. So... That was neat. Logan was psyched. You know, he was really excited to see it. And then we had big plans for after the movie was done. Now, I didn't know how long the movie was going to run, but I figured it's a Star Wars movie. It'll probably run two hours. They, you know, I think that's the the average Star Wars movie length. So I'm thinking two hours. We're going to get out of there about six a little bit after. Um, and then we were going to uh, basically go not exactly right across the street, but it's not far away. We we're going to go to Disney's Hollywood Studios for the rest of the night, there was uh, the new fireworks show for Christmas was at 7.45. And then that night at 10.30 was the first night of the return of the Star Wars fireworks. which is, It's Star Wars, I think it's called a Galactic Spectacular, I think is what they're calling it. Now, we'd never seen the Halloween show, or excuse me, the Christmas show rather. We'd never seen the Christmas show before. But my wife and I had seen the Star Wars show and absolutely loved it and knew that Logan would like it. He hadn't seen it yet. So we get out of there and the movie ran actually like two and a half hours. Yeah. So then by that point, it's like 630. And for some reason, I had it in my mind that the Christmas fireworks started at 730. So I'm like, crap, we only have an hour. So it's weird because Disney Springs and Hollywood Studios, they're not that far apart. So you would think, ah, an hour is plenty of time, but that's the mistake people make as they underestimate traffic. They underestimate just how long it takes to get through the gate at the front of the park, mm-hmm. park your car, get on the tram, get all the way to the gate, go through security, get into the park, and then get to where you're going in the park. That's the part that everybody miscalculates. So, you know, having done this a few times, I'm thinking – Man, an hour is tight. You know, it's going to be, re- it's going to be, so- there's going to be some running involved, you know? 
So we get there, and everything went pretty smoothly, but we basically got right to our place in line for the fireworks with maybe 20 minutes to spare, which, again, is not a lot of time. And then, i got to be honest, the Christmas thing was not all that great. It was it was okay. So then we, we kind of you know just checked out a few things there. By that point, we were starving, so we had to get some food. But we had just enough time to go over to – uh, the Star Wars launch bay where they had some new items uh, from the new movie there, which was really cool. And get this, Chris. I don't know if you saw the pictures I took there a while back. I've been there a few times with different people. I know Matt Hunsworth and I went there and took mm-hmm. some pictures. Um, there was the life-size Boba Fett action figure, like the old Kenner. Yeah. Did you ever see that? Well, now there's a new one there. It's a life-size Darth Vader action figure. Ooh. It's like 2800 bucks, I think, was the price on it. Jeez. But it looks just like... I mean, it looks like... Um, what's his name? Um, oh, crap. Now I forgot the guy's name. From Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. It looks like like he took his ray and enlarged a Darth Vader action figure. I mean, it, that's totally what it looks like. It's, it's completely convincing that this was once a tiny little action figure that somebody just blew up to life size. It's amazing the detail because they, you know, it's an exact duplicate, just huge. You know, it's, it's as tall as you are. So that was really cool. And they had some other, you know, they had props from the movie and stuff like that. Did his lightsaber slide out through his arm? It, it, was, it was already out, yeah. So it was. It was coming out of the arm and all that, which was really cool. Um, and then we had enough time to go over, and uh, and uh, Logan hadn't seen the arc yet. They ha- they actually have the arc from Raiders of the Lost Ark is on display in the lobby of the great movie ride, so we had time to see that. And then by that point, it was pretty much time to go uh, go stake out our spot for the fireworks. We watched the fireworks, and uh, that is amazing. I mean, that is... You know, you everybody. You know, what's the new expression? All the feels. That is all the feels because it's it's amazing. And what I really like about it is that it's all inclusive. So if there's a facet of live action Star Wars that you like, whether it's the original movie, the original trilogy, whether you're a Phantom Menace fan, right? Every part of it is touched on. So they don't. I mean, they kind of favor. You know, maybe say Force Awakens a little bit more just because it's the hot new thing, you know, until Rogue One. They haven't incorporated Rogue One into the show yet, but I'm sure that's coming. So there's a lot of Force Awakens in it, but they don't shy away from the sequels, which I, the first time I saw it, I just, it brought brought me to tears. I'm like, finally some prequel love, you know, Mm -hmm. and that was really cool. But there's a really, at the very end of it, because it's very montage based, so it's like, you get the hero montage and the villain montage and the Hoth montage and you know, all these different montages. And then at the very end, as it's kind of wrapping up and the ending credits are playing, it goes um, like poster for poster of the saga. So you get a Phantom Menace poster. And what's neat is all of this is projected onto the facade of Grauman's. So Grauman's basically plays theater screen for this whole show. So what they do is they project the poster image and they have it starts out with like a central character. So like for Phantom Menace, it's it's little Annie and then it fills in with all the other characters as it goes. And these are the classic. um, What was the guy's name? Drew Stutzman or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. So it's that one. And then Attack of the Clones and then Revenge of the Sith. And then the glorious one. And every time I've watched it, well, I've only seen it twice, but you know, first time I saw it, I didn't know it was there. And then when we saw it the other night, I forgot that it was there. But when the one for Star Wars, the original Star Wars, comes up, 
it's the classic Hildebrandt. Hildebrandt one, yeah. And, and I mean, it's it's his, you know, I mean, it's it's huge. It's just, it's the size of a building, and that just, I mean, you know, for guys our age, that that'll make you cry, man tears, right? It's just glorious in that huge, overblown, you know, presentation, and then the classic. Um, what I always called the Gone with the Wind poster for Empire, you know, the one where Han, lo- I, it always looked like Han was dipping Leia for a kiss. Yes. In that one, which is why I always called it the Gone with the Wind poster, you know, with Luke on the Tauntaun and all that. That one comes up big and beautiful. And then um, Jedi and then um, Force Awakens. So that it's pretty amazing. That That's a great, great show. So it's a nice way to, to kind of cap off the night. Because we were we were pretty much on a Star Wars high at that point. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that that was kind of our our experience uh, seeing the movie. So it was it was a good time. All right. It was a really. So I figured out our starting point. Okay. The characters. <laughs> because okay, <so> <laughs> I gotta say, sometimes Star Wars character names stick. Sometimes they don't. None of these names really stick. I could any... not I could not tell you the actual name of any character. But to help us out, I created what I'm going to call the patented Two True Freaks Character Guide to Rogue One. Oh, good. Now, Let me get my pen. Okay, here we go. Oh, this is going to help. <laughs> so the main character, the heroine of the movie, her name, according to Two True Freaks, is not Ray. Not Ray, okay. All right, the other dude, the the, the pseudo boyfriend, uh-huh. Han, he is called Han with an accent. Okay. All right, the big robot guy. <laughs> shout out to my buddy Ernie Facilius. His name is O O Fork U Two. Oh, excellent! A shout out to Battle in Outer Space Wars. No, 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 no! Not Battle in Outer Space. Hard- Hardware Wars. Hardware, Hardware Wars. Wars. All right, the the blind, not Jedi guy. Uh-huh. His name. His name is. You know. You, you know who Daredevil's master was, right? Yes. Okay. So this guy, he's just simply called Space Stick. <laughs> Which, I like it. It's dirty. His buddy, the the one that's got the gun that protects him. Uh huh. Solely on his look, because I've thought this from the moment I saw the very first picture of him. He's Bishop. Oh. You know who Bishop is in the X Men. I was thinking Bishop from Aliens. Oh, no, this is Bishop from X-Men. You, you pull up a picture of him, you, you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, Forrest Whitaker could be simply just Forrest Whitaker. He's the only one of the actors I knew by name, so you know you could call him Forrest Whitaker. I actually, th- I actually got a Forge vibe out of him, although he doesn't actually build anything. It's just because of like his busted up robot body and everything. We could just call him Run Forrest because he's got the Run legs. Forrest. <laughs> That's perfect. Okay, run Forrest. I, I like not running Forrest because he's, you know, with his robot legs, he's not moving too fast. Right, so. right. It's, yeah. <laughs> running it's like Forrest. L- okay. Lurch Forrest. <laughs> <laughs> Lurch Forrest. Lurch. <laughs> All right. So that one's sticking? That one sticks. Okay. I like Lurch Forrest Lurch. I think that's great. Instead of Run Forrest Run, that's great. Okay. <laughs> I know you've seen. Oh my god, what is the movie? The the fake Star Trek movie with Tim Allen. Galaxy Quest. Galaxy Quest. The guy that had no name, so they just called him Guy? Yeah. That's the pilot, so he's just Guy. 
That's who? Guy. The pilot guy. Oh, the okay. Yeah, yeah. It's by the octopus thing. He's just Guy. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Does he even have a name? I, they just kept calling him Pilot. So. Yeah. No. Yeah. He. Yeah. His. His actor does. The actor does not have a name under his name. So he's just. Yeah. He's just nameless Pilot. And then the bad guy is White Thrawn. Oh. See, I was thinking of him as. Uh, um. Space House MD. <laughs> like the show House. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, isn't that the one about the doctor's kind of a prick? Yeah, he yeah. does. He, he actually does look a, li- a, a bit by like that guy. What is that guy's name, that actor's name? I, I can't can never think. Remember. He does look he was like in him, yet, He was in Tomorrowland. Yeah. yeah, I can't think of his name, though. You're right. He does actually look like him. <laughs> so those are the characters. Um, I can't remember... See, I have been in communication with so many people about this, and it's funny because my friends are all over the map, mm-hmm. and I, I won't out anybody, but, I mean, they are truly running the gamut at this point from absolutely loving it, it's the best thing since sliced bread, to, yeah, it sucked and I hate it and I don't want to talk about it. I mean, it's wow. it's all, yeah, it's it's the full spectrum with this one, so, yeah, it's it's been really... It's been interesting talking to other people and and really kind of, you know, trying to glean like, okay, you know, what, what were the things you liked? What were the things you didn't like? And that sort of thing. And, and helping – it was kind of helping me get a better, better handle on the whole thing as well. But all right. I want to hear – I want to hear what you thought because one of the big complaints I had heard was that there's not really engaging characters. And I think – you know, I exaggerated it a bit, but I think that ultimately is a pretty valid criticism given yes. that I'm I'm serious. I couldn't tell you the name of any of the characters. Now, I liked the robot. The robot was cool. He was, what, K2, I think? Yeah, and but, I mean, yeah, yeah he was... I, I he, wasn't... He and, he, and the, he and Space Stick were kind of the comedy relief. You know, they, mm-hmm. were, the, they were the tension cutters and, you know, they were, they were kind of the scene stealers. Mm-hmm. Because they they had sense of humor and they were both really cool, you know. Yeah, they were both cool characters, and you know, one's a blind fighter, and the the you know big robots, especially a reprogrammed imperial robot. That's a great idea, you know. I got a serious Marvin vibe out of him, yeah. but I still cool. Didn't you almost think like if Alan Rickman was still alive, they would have hit him up to yeah. be the voice of that robot? He would have been a yeah. great voice for that robot, yeah. even though he was Marvin. He, w- he would be. Yeah, it might have been a little too on the nose, but it would have been great. It would have been. Hel- it would have been even more hilarious. The guy who did him did do it. I think he didn't. He could have been a little more. He could have been a little more dramatic. But I like that his his sort of dry delivery with the robot. He was. He was a. He was basically kind of like a violent C three PO. I couldn't help but wonder if maybe this was some sort of throwback homage to, and I have no idea how apocryphal this story is or not, but I remember hearing at some point that one of Lucas's original ideas for C-3PO was that he wasn't going to be a, a prissy sissy, that he was going to be more like a huckster, like a used car salesman kind of robot. And I couldn't help but, I mean, not that I thought K2 was like that, but just with his kind of, 
acerbic wit. Yeah. I couldn't help but wonder if maybe they that's what they were going for was more like proto C-3PO like from the early drafts of the original Star Wars. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just kind of had, you know, that was one of the thoughts that ran through my head. And he's sort of like a, an Imperial version of C-3PO. He's yeah. the, the imp- yeah. Imperial counterpart to, to C-3PO. You see, the, th- the thing about the characters is this is a suicide mission war movie. Right. So the characters are types. So you right. have this guy, and you have this guy, and you have the guy who's like, hey, I'm new here, and I have a girlfriend back home, you know, and it, right. it's, it, and the, you know, the um, Han Solo with, with an accent, the guy from the French Foreign Legion, you know, who's right. <laughs> had, a, you know, I've done terrible things, you do not want to know, and so it, here's, here's what I... <laughs> Here's the conversation I, w- I was having going into work about that today is, like, with a lot of movies these days and in film school and just general, there's there's almost like they're afraid if you have a character and you don't have a full rounded arc for every character, you're going to get criticized for having shallow characters or, or whatever, so... If you attempted to give all these characters, and they, and they gave not Ray a bit, you know, you got her, her backstory, and of course that's because her backstory tied into the whole, you know, with her father tied into the whole storyline, but you got a little more rounded, you know, you got a little more information on her, but just enough to be like, okay, this is where she's at in her life, and um, everybody else just needed to be uh, a sort of rough-hewn characterization and let him go, you know, because if you spent time on all those characters, you'd end up with a three-hour movie, and things would start to drag. And let let's be honest, that's what not what people want to know from this movie. That's not what people want to get as much from this movie. But that was one of my issues with the movie. I'll be perfectly honest with you: is that there was a number of times that you know, thank God, I was seeing this in a in a full-packed movie house with my wife sitting next to me, who you know would not hesitate to you know, run her elbow into my ribs if I right. did such a thing. But there were so many times in the early, you know, in the in the beginning of the movie where I was just seriously tempted to stand up and be like, get on with it! Because here, here's one of my things, and I, you know, I, I, we haven't really said what we felt about the movie yet, but here was one of my beefs with the movie, was why so much exposition? Because there there were several parts where I just kind of, again, I wanted to stand up and kind of, you know, collectively like take a poll from the people sitting in my immediate vicinity and be like, um, we all know what we're here for, right? We, we all know what's going on here, right? So get on with it! Because I, I just, I had to wonder, like, who are you talking to, movie? Are you talking to the people that came in here thinking they were getting the next installment of Finn, Ray, and What's-His-Face, because if you're talking to those people, screw those people. You they're know, not going to get it anyway. <laughs> yeah, they're, you know, if, they're st- if they bought a ticket and they still don't know what they're here for, then you know, no amount of exposition is going to fix that. So that being the case, I, I really got annoyed with how much exposition there was to set up the story that I already knew what was, you know, what the story was supposed to be. Hey, we're going to go steal the Death Star plans. And that's what it should, there should have been three seconds spent on that. 
So here's the thing. Empire's building a space station. We want to blow it up because uh, you know, we don't want it to kill us. Go. And instead, they spend, I don't know what, like an hour and a half on that. And I'm like, come on already. So that was time I thought was much better spent investing in the characters and making me care about these people because I don't know why. It's not like the movie was spoiled for me ahead of time. It was not. Right. I knew very little about this movie going in. And, and I swear to God, I'm not bragging about this, but I, I'm being completely honest. I knew none of them were going to make it out of the movie alive. There's just something about the movie said that to me, that this was, you know, whatever you want to call it, Dirty Dozen, Suicide Squad, whatever. I knew that well, that was what was yeah, happening. Dir- Dirty Dozen, was, Suicide Squad, nobody died. <laughs> Well, you know, suicide mission, I guess I should yeah, say. Yeah, but you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? I, I, I can't tell you, I could not put my finger on why I was convinced of that going in, but I was. I was convinced of that going in that that this was a suicide mission that they were not going to survive. So that being the case, I felt like they should have invested more time with making me care because so much went into trying to make me feel something when they were all being bumped off. And the only one I actually felt anything for was the friggin' robot. The robot you know? was heartbreaking, yeah. When he died, I felt bad, you know, and I, and I, and I kind of teared up. Kind of a little bit with Space Stick, but again, I didn't cry. The rest of them were just, eh, you know, I there was I hadn't been given enough to feel invested in them, to, to really care when they started to get bumped off one by one. I, I just didn't. So it's weird, and it almost, I don't know, does it make me a hypocrite? Because how many movies have I complained, like, I don't care? You know, just kill, you know, like Jurassic Park. I didn't care about any of those assholes. I wanted to see them die. Right. I didn't necessarily want to see make you hate them so that you can enjoy them (laughs) dying. Right. right. I mean, I didn't want to necessarily see these people die, but going in kind of feeling like I knew that that was going to happen then I expected that okay, if 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 I'm going into this knowing they're going to die and you're going to you're going to kill them, then make me feel something. And I did feel like th- that didn't work, and I felt like they they were trying, but it, it just it didn't really because oh, when not when not Ray nobody but the robot, yeah, you know, I mean, when I mean, not really. Ray dies, that should have been in that big emotional moment because you know they tried to make you feel bad for her when she was a kid and her dad gets stolen, her mom gets, and it's like. I, you know, I just, I, I just didn't somehow. It was like, yeah, whatever. Uh, a lot of that too had, and maybe this is just, you know, too many movies syndrome, but a lot of that was like, I think I've been here before, you know, with that whole, you know, that whole setup with, uh, you know, with the, the, the whole kid thing, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe it's just me being a, a cynical movie goer. I don't know, but that, it just, it didn't elicit what it should have elicited or what I felt like they were going for. So I don't know. It's never a good sign for me personally when while I'm watching the movie for the very first time, I'm already thinking, how's this going to hold up the 10th time I'm seeing this movie? See, and I'm, I'm thinking it's going to. I'm I'm really I, eager. I, I'm I wasn't as eager after the movie. The, the next day, I'm, I'm eager to see it again right now, honestly, just to to check out some keys to get my eyeballs on some key scenes and be like, all right, let me check this out a little better 
And See, but I'm talking like all the all the 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 setup, you know, all the exposition, all the setup, all the you know, all that stuff at the beginning. Let's go to planet B. Let's go to planet A. Let's go to planet C. And See, you know, I, I like that. that. That reminded me like, of the comics wow. a little bit. It did, but what I'm saying is, now that you've seen it, and now you right. know where it's going, and now you know the story, how is that going to play? I, I think the action stuff is is the sort of thing where you can watch it over and over and over to glean something new every time, because there's a lot of action, there's a lot of stuff happening. But I'm talking purely the the dialogue scenes, purely the setup scenes. How is that going to play the tenth time you've seen it? You know, right. Are you going to find yourself... Basically, what I'm wondering on DVD with there might be a bit of skipping I over. Watching the last 40 minutes of the movie, and that's pretty much it. And I'm not watching much of the beginning, and that's right. kind of what I'm thinking, you know? Yeah, I'm the the. It's it's funny. I I when I was reading reviews of it, I noticed there was a a lot of split between people who like about whether people preferred the first two acts. A lot of people were like, "Yeah, the first two acts are really strong," but then the third act. It just becomes a battle, and then there were a lot of people who were like, "It didn't get going until the third act for 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 them." So it's, huh. it, it it for for me, the first act, there were there were points where I was like, "Yeah, they're expositioning this," but I'm also a big sucker for if I get sucked into Star Wars world, I'm just like, especially on that first viewing, I'm like, I'm in Star Wars world, you know, right. Star Wars things are happening. And Star Wars sounds are are going, and I'm I'm piecing stuff together. I'd pretty much going into it. I pretty much figured everyone. Would, I thought they sort of tried to make it clear, like in the beginning, they were like, "This is going to be a little stronger Star Wars movie," and then it was like um, they kept tossing out references, like com- comparisons to the Dirty Dozen and stuff, and right. su- suicide mission and stuff. So it's like, okay. Okay, I see where they're going with this, and it would make sense if nobody made it out alive, and it would give heft to the whole thing. And it's almost as if the focus isn't on the characters, but on the rebellion and how all these people are, except for except for not Ray, really. Um, although we don't really know if not Ray's done anything that she regrets, but all the characters are kind of like except for the robot too are sort of in search of redemption you know they're or they've they've been working on the ground level of the rebel rebellion and they've had to slit a lot of throats of people that were you know semi-guilty but maybe not the most guilty people every once in a while let me ask you in all seriousness how did you feel about that because I'm uncomfortable with the rebels now being morally compromised because if they're they're, doing dirty things, they're like, even if it is to overthrow the, the empire, then they are not, they are no longer the, the pure white hats because that's why, that's why they all die too. That's their, that's their redemption is they sacrifice their lives for the greater good. And, you know the, the the ones that are still alive are out there are the ones that are you know you have sort of like it's it's almost like they were it's it's very much like world war Two films with like the french foreign legion or the hungarian resistance or something you have like these tiers of of um you know boots to the ground where you have the mon mothmas who might be more idealistic and she's on that planning level 
the guys who are down in the dirty down and dirty are more in like the smuggler realm and then you got your saw guerreras who are you know nobody even nobody you know the empire wants him dead and the rebellion doesn't really want anything to do with him because he's so right he's so radical and you know more he's completely morally like completely the ends justify the means person so you have that that sort of layer of it and how those, those sort of bottom two layers of the gritty people I mean Saw Gerrera, the, this is the last stand of Saw Gerrera, who I haven't right. seen his introduction in Clone Wars yet I haven't gotten that far yet I but, did you know, and now I don't remember right, much about right. the episode and and I may have too I may have watched it too but I don't I yeah I don't remember but he you know he was 20 years younger right and and so it's more about like how these characters really you know the, if if they stay alive they're just going to keep doing more sketchy things and this is their chance to go out and possibly because at that point the rebellion is about to they're they're just like we should probably surrender you know the 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 higher ups are are all sort of leading towards surrender so it's the gritty people who are like look (laughs) we have nothing if there's no rebellion all we are is a bunch of people who've you know with stained souls who are we're gonna they're you know they're gonna end up all space alcoholics in an alley <laughs> somewhere or just or dead in some violent act so they were like we might as well try this is the last chance to try so it's more it's almost like the story is more about how the the rebellion goes from almost being just done with and this is about the same. At this point, the you know they haven't disbanded. What, what is it? The Senate yet? So yeah, there's still that structure going on. And uh, well, the reason I ask you that is one of the things I truly love about the original Star Wars, the first mm-hmm. film, is that George Lucas very intentionally made it a story of. You know, it, it's very clear in good and evil. You know, you have the white hats, you have the black hats, and there are no shades of gray in that movie. Well, Han Solo and, is the closest thing. Well, but he, but he's sort there. Of. He's there to cross from gray to white. You know, that's right. Han Solo's arc is to end up on the white side. Right. But and that's the upper tier. That's the upper tier. That's where that. That's the. It's it's almost if you want to get all like pseudo religious about it, it's like that's those are the characters that are more of the demigods, you know, right? And they're 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 more archetypal characters, and then as you get further down towards the foot soldiers, yeah, <laughs> See, and, start. and and that's one of the things I think that I'm I'm slightly bothered by is. You know, I I like the childlike purity of the original movie in the sense of uh, again having white hats and black hats. You know, and and that's the story that it tells. It's very straightforward in that sense. Right. And this one, 
This one's right this out one, of the gate. This one You've is got technically with an accident, kills a guy in in cold blood, and that entire scene made me uncomfortable. In the entire thing where he's going to assassinate, well, that's where I was positive he was and, dead. Yeah, when and, I saw that scene and he shot that guy, I'm like, this guy's not going to make it out because, yeah. But and, Han Solo did that. Yeah, but he didn't. He killed Greedo. You know, I mean, he didn't gun down. You know, some you know, an just ally. a person, yeah, an ally potentially. You know, in, in cold blood, he killed you know a mercenary that was going to kill him, that yes. would have killed him. You know, with no compunction whatsoever. So uh, it makes me uncomfortable just in that general sense. You know, kind of the same way, like you know, it's a bad comparison, I guess, but like say DS Nine felt the need to you know turn under turn over rocks and look at the dirty underbelly right, of, the, of federation and everything and i never was comfortable with that and in certain aspects with this i'm not comfortable with now the the rebellion is not purely white hats you know they're they're not purely uh, motivated you know what i mean it, it's there there are shades of they're willing to to kill you know people who may or may not necessarily be guilty in order to further the cause. And that, I don't know, I, I'm not sure how I feel about that. You know, I'm still kind of processing that. It does make it more realistic, I guess. It is, but, it is, but I the movie kind of questions more, that, too. The, yeah, the, the I, movie does question that, I mean, he, uh, um, um, Han with an accent, is, in the end, is not is not able to, to shoot the guy. But right. in the end, also, it doesn't matter <laughs> because the guy's dead five minutes later anyway you know so it's like to him it's like al he was probably thinking you know if i shot him either way you know that's how it how it turned out and that's why i figured none of these characters uh, the only one that could have possibly lived was not ray because you didn't really see her do anything horrible or anything like that but i figured you know that would be i think that would have been a cop-out ending if right. like they found a they they found a, a ship and flew away or something, right? And um, I have a little I have a little um, conspiracy not conspiracy theory but my theory now that I'm thinking about it with um, the reshoots and the, that with that is I think they had her die on that catwalk I think that was the end of her character and. Well, it, I noticed that there are a lot of scenes missing from right. the trailers that we got. One of which is the was Tie Fighter. Tie Fighter, yeah. Which was a, which was a scene. As soon as I saw that catwalk, I'm like, "Ooh, we're gonna see that Tie Fight. What's going on with that Tie Fighter? What, who's in that Tie Fighter?" And it's cut right out. So it's like that's a story element cut right out of it. And I'll bet you, like, because I, I um talking to Scott McGregor, he read an article. With the director was saying, you know, they weren't like we're we're coming in to, re you know, we don't like how this movie is. What had happened were was they really liked it and they said, you know, we like the direction you're going with it. If we put a little m extra money into this, we can do a lot more with it. You know, we can take it where it's going. So I think that whole last sequence with Darth Vader. And the you know the the tantive and all that was dis I think and you, you notice um, Han with an accent when uh, 
and man, we're going into the spoilers when he takes a tumble in the in the record room, and you know, right. and you're like, well, that's the end. Okay, there there goes him. You know, I think that was probably originally that was the end to him. You know, right? And because all of a sudden he shows up on the catwalk again, and uh, so I think they did that to extend that to their to their um, you know staring into the sunrise scene, right? And then and then said. All right, let's let's go, let's go whole hog with this link into Star Wars, and uh, and and did that. Which, if that's what happened, that was a great decision. <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say if if that is true, and the the Darth Vader, you know, the the true link between the movies didn't exist prior, then thank God they did because. I, yes. You know, full confession for for me. I'll be I'll be completely honest. I spent the entire movie, you know, on the fence, and I would occasionally swing a little this way and almost fall, and then I'd swing back the other way and almost fall, and I was constantly back and forth, but pretty much right on that fence. And the thing that that finally pushed me off the fence and into the like yard was the Darth Vader massacre at the end. So if we hadn't got that scene, I'm not sure where I may have fallen with this movie. I may have I may have stayed right on that fence, but that scene made the movie for me. That I I had wanted to see that. I I can't tell you how long, because yeah. it was in a lot of ways it was very reminiscent again of that Ralph McQuarrie painting of Vader versus that Jedi in the hallway. Yes. You, you know what I'm talking about. Oh my but, God, you're right. Yeah, and so that's something, you know, how long have we waited to see something like that? But I wanted to see Vader kicking ass. And, I mean, ever since we've gotten the the prequel movies and everything, I, I can remember people saying, you know, then they would go back and watch the original Star Wars and now in hindsight go, you know, why doesn't Vader lead the charge when they go into the Tantive? Well, now with this movie, he kind of did. And yeah. I thought it was glorious. You know, you, you finally get to see what a badass Vader is. We'd, we'd heard it, we'd been told it all these years, but other than, other than his fight with Luke in Cloud City, we never really got to see it. I mean, his fight with Obi-Wan in the original Star Wars, you know, it's not that great. It's him fi sword fighting with an old man. You know, his fight with Luke in Jedi is pretty good, but it's not the epic this fight that they had in watching Empire. this so movie this made me think of that and it was like okay with obi-wan he was like i'm gonna toy with him out of right. semi-respect and with luke he's like i'm trying to turn him so i'm working both ways you know so he's not going full hog i'm gonna destroy you which he right. could do in a second so yeah it, it, it with, was with this one it was just people that were between him and his objective. Yeah. And that's how he treated them. He he forced choked him and threw him around and smashed him in the scene and cut them down, you know, in mass with you know in, with like 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 the saber was a scythe, you know? Yeah. And that's the kind of stuff I've been wanting to all at the same time having to defend himself, you know, from and that's what I wanted to see. And that was glorious to me. And the, the lighting, the, the darkness of it had a very, like, splinter of the mind's eye feel mm -hmm. to, with the smoke in the room and the, the just emergency lights on and stuff. Um, you see, like, for me, the draw, like, the, the, the parts that took me out of the movie first was uh, Walrus Man and the, the one guy. 
Dr. Little, Evans. A little, little too on the nose, you know? Yeah. It was amusing, and it wasn't a killer. Um, oh, what was it? There was another, there was another reference. I was good. I was good with, I mean, you know, they had to have, well, I guess they didn't have to have him, but Tarkin was there, which we'll talk about Tarkin in a minute. Yeah, we'll have to have a little section on Tarkin, yes. I was good with Tarkin. I was good with Leia, although I didn't need her. That was also, you know, that was awesome. But I was good with the cameos with, you know, I'm still going to always call him the Death Star droid because that's what the action figure was called. Yeah. But I was with the Death Star droid. If they had stopped there, I'm perfectly content. I was good. I was really good, actually, because I cheered out loud when we got um, Gold Leader and Red Leader. That oh was my awesome. God. And it made sense. It, and their it voices. It made total sense. And, and um, they used actual footage that Lucas had of those actors that he didn't use in Star Wars for a few wow. of those shots. That's cool. That is. I just figured they just recycled footage. That's cool. That's good to know. But yeah, I'll, I'm with you with the with the Doctor Evazan and and Walrus Man one. I think it maybe you, you had one or the other, or maybe maybe they just walk by together and don't talk. But having him actually bump into them and he gives the exact same line as in Star Wars, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, and and you know, the, and then they would ha- and it's like, okay, it's feasible. They got on a spaceship and went to Tatooine right after this. Yeah, yes, <laughs> pretty yeah. much. They would have had to. They would have had to been on their way out right at that point, pretty much. But uh, you know, it was that one was like a little too much, but it was a throwaway gag, so it's like ah, okay. That's um, something I hadn't thought of though. Is that no Tatooine in this one? Yeah, oh my none. I never even thought about that till now, but thank oh yeah, there you know what And this no one, lightsaber till the bitter end. Yeah. Till the very end. Uh, oh yes. How did you expect for Space Stick for his staff to, to be a lightsaber on the end? Because when he went into the final battle, when he gets gunned down, I really thought that staff was going to turn out to be a lightsaber. Possibly, you know, a I didn't. I did not even think about that. Well, because I was thinking, and and right after the move, like at three in the morning, Hope Mullinex started IMing me, and she was <laughs> like, you know, we, we were talking about what we thought his. She's like, was he using the Force? And I'm like. I don't think he was using the Force like a Jedi. I think he was blind, so he was more sensitive to it. And he was just—he was like a religious figure where he just gave himself up to it and said, "I trust the Force completely, and if I trust it a hundred percent, and just go with it, the Force will guide me, and I'll have faith in 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 the Force." And pretty much, that's that worked for him. Oh my God! You know who he was? Who? He was Jedi. He was the oh bug Jedi. Guy. <laughs> oh my God! You're right. Together. Yeah, that's actually he's he's actually he's, might even be a little bit of uh, of Don Juan Quixote too. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think like the 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 writers and the director of this movie. I think they went fucking deep. I think they went into. I think or either that or they're like us and they like read read the Marvel comics. I was seeing bits of, that reminded me of Dark Horse, the way a Dark Horse comic would do. You see, I don't know. Maybe the last year I've been doing the weekly Clone Wars thing with Hope, and I've been like really getting into Rebels. So I'm. And, and oh, speaking of which, did you see the ghost? I saw the ghost. I did not see Chopper. Apparently, you can see Chopper real quick. Oh, really? Yeah, and they call out for General Syndulla. 
in Yavin. You hear on the on the. That's what, okay. I heard that line and thought, I know that name. I know that name. That's Hera. That that's Hera. That's right. But that yes, could be I did Hera, that. but it could be her dad too. Right. It, or Chem Sandula, or Chim Sandula, Chimp Sandula, or whatever. His name is. <laughs> right. Um. But uh, yeah. So those, those. I guess those were the the, the I guess the the chopper one is gonna be one that we're probably gonna like have to wait till somebody like freeze frames it. I guess it's really, really, really short. That's still cool though. Yeah, that is I, still uh, really cool. And I mean, and, and Saw Gerrera is from Clone Wars. Right. So, so, I thought you know, and I'm just steeped in Clone Wars now. And Clone Wars, I think, made this movie possible because Clone Wars sort of set the standard of, or set that that thing in Star Wars of, here's what it is on the ground with the troops, you know. And well, you had the only, some... the only thing with that though, and and, and I, it doesn't it doesn't ruin this or you know, or Rebels for me, but I am now a little leery. I mean, I hope they don't do too much more like this because now. Because I remember one of my big issues. Now I am now a Rebels fan. I am now. I, I watch the show. I really enjoy it and everything. But when it first debuted, yeah. kind of my prejudice against it before I really gave it a chance and got into it was: wait a minute, you've got a band of Star Warriors before the band of Star Warriors. I, I don't yep. know that I'm comfortable with that. And, and oh, now and you have, we have here's, two here's, of them. Here's Chewbacca. Here's Han Solo split into like two or three characters. Here's right. R2, here's Luke, right. here's Ben Kenobi, but he's kind of Han Solo too, you right. know. And here's their ship that's kind of round, like the aluminum Falcon. And, right. uh, and, uh, so I, and And then every show was just sort of like, here's how they outwit the Empire every time, and here's the guy who goes, curses. And I was like, okay, I see where they're going with this. But I should have known better because it's Dave Filoni and he sort of did a Clone Wars where it's like, now let's expand the shit out of this. Well, you and know, let's... White White Thrawn in this movie in a lot of ways reminded me of Sideburns guy. That's you know, it's it's you know, he's 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 basically like you know, space boss hog. You know, it's yes. like oh, those, those <laughs> damn Duke boys, you know, they they got away again, kind of. And it's like okay, you know. So I, I just I read the Heir to the Empire. Th- trilogy in comic form and that's basically what what blue Thron did too he was always like right three steps ahead of him but then they'd squeeze out and then he'd get three more steps ahead of him and they just like l- you know use the force or luck out it, you know it was always this like chase sort of sort of thing <laughs> I thought, well, I think it's time for us to brag because i don't know okay. how you feel about this but I think you and I deserve to take a lion's share of the credit on this one. Let's take it all, man. I don't know if you remember this. And I'm thinking it was more than likely, more than likely spun out of Tron talk. Okay. But I can remember you and I years ago calling the fact that one day a dead actor would return in a motion picture thanks to CGI. And I'm thinking it was about the time that we either we had just seen Tron Legacy or we had seen the trailers for it where they had de-aged Jeff Bridges. Because to my recollection, that's the first time that was really done, you know, where they had taken 
uh, an actor and use CGI to make a, a, an earlier representation of that actor. And I can remember you and I having a conversation, and I think it was I think it was me that said, "Holy cow! I just thought of something. Can you imagine a day when, say, there's a new western and John Wayne is in that western? Can you, do you remember that conversation? Yes. And, and we that, were like, we we're like, it's going to happen. Yeah. And and here we are. Yeah. I did not know. Now, when 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 we get that establishing shot where we come in. And Tarkin's back is to us. I totally and completely 100% expected that to be the actor that we see for like 20 seconds at the end of Revenge of the Sith. Yes. The guy kind of looked like uh, Peter Cushing, but not 100%. That's why I thought it was. I think they twiddled with him with CG a little too, but he kind of looked like it too. But when he turned around and spoke, and I'm like, holy shit it's it's him and like i and people people have bitched about the uncanny valley with it i i say this like when scott mcgregor because i was watching it and i'm like we're gonna see like the back of his head and then we're gonna hear him go like get you know blah 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 and they'll cut to a scene (laughs) and it'll be okay there was grand moff tarkin or like you said like they did in revenge of the sith you know and I'd heard he was in the movie, but I immediately was like, yeah, yeah, he was in Revenge of the Sith, too. And he was in Clone Wars, you know, so, right. but he'll just be, a, you know, we'll get we'll they'll mark off Grand Moff Tarkin. And then when he turned around, I was just like, holy shit, he's going to be a, a goddamn story element at this yeah. point. And and I know McGregor and I and everybody else in that movie theater because they were all super nerds. Like, you know how you see those those digital representations of, like, they'll hook people up to a TV screen and they'll watch stuff and you can see where their eyes are going? Right. Every eye in that movie screen was on his head. Right. And going, look at his hair. What's his teeth? His mouth? What's going on? You know? And I was going, damn, that looks like Peter Cushing. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, uh, they, it's almost like they dialed Peter Cushing back a little bit. Like, he's a little pinker and less drawn out than he is in Star Wars. Right. But we were thinking maybe they did that because when they tried, maybe they tried to do him perfectly accurate and it didn't quite work. So they had to, because Princess Leia was kind of pink too. So maybe that pink was necessary to get it to look uh, human. But damn, you know. And if, I, I wonder if you were just Joe Blow, like, Hi, I'm an idiot. I'm just going to pay money to see a movie I know nothing about. I've never seen a movie in my life. And you sat down and watched this movie, whether you would even be like, yeah, what was up with having that human guy as a CG character? You know, why why do that? Why not just put a real, you know, I don't think people would even notice that. He but that's was CG. the thing is, that's what I was going to ask you is, do you think it was CG? Because it, I mean, obviously it was, but what I'm saying is, does it look it? Because I think we may have finally reached a point where, where, like you say, the average Joe that maybe didn't know that he was dead or even who, what his character, you know, they hadn't seen Star Wars in 30 years. I saw Star Wars and they don't remember anything about it except it has the RDD in it. So I'm thinking we are now at a point where this this movie I, I'm sold I'm convinced at this at this point 
we can bring people back. There were a lot, and there were a lot of CG characters in here that were just background characters that they replicated from Star Wars on Yavin. Right. Um, um, in in the the final battle, like Gold Leader. I mean, I mean, Wedge is that actor is what seventy some years old now or something, something like that. Who but, Wedge? Yeah, and I think Red Leader's dead. I think Red Leader died just a little before the. Was the Wedge played. in there? Yeah, yeah, Gold Leader. No, that's not Wedge. Pretty Wedge sh- is. I don't think so. I pretty could be sure wrong. Wedge is Gold Leader in this one. I don't know. I didn't think so. Because doesn't gold gold leader dies, doesn't he? No, Red Five dies. No, no. I I don't mean in this movie. I mean in in Star Wars, in the original Star Wars, Gold Leader gets blowed up, doesn't he? Well, Wedge might be Gold Leader in this one. Maybe he gets bumped down to something else. I don't know. In Star Wars, I, I thought but that I'm the, pretty sure I, that Gold Leader was was Wedge was in it. I I saw a couple shots of him. And they, they, he was CG'd down too, and he was partially. Well, he would be if he had the same call sign, then he should have been red too. Something I like think. that. Because when we were kids, I would have known. Because is, is Wedge is the one that says, "Look at the size of that thing." As they're going into the be- right. Death Star battle, right? And then, and then somebody says, "Cut the chatter, red too." So I think he's red too. Well, he's I'm in pretty there. sure. But gold, the gold leader that's in this is the same. Well, go, both gold and red leader in this are the same ones that are gold and red leader in Star Wars. When you hear their voices over the radio, it's just oh, like, yeah. oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I always get chills. Because <laughs> yeah. I don't know about the, the actor that plays gold leader, but I know the re- actor that plays red leader has been dead now for, for some time. Um, and I did think it was neat that, you know, again, it, it was kind of doing the John Byrne thing where it's like, I don't need all this explanation, but it, it didn't annoy me. I liked now how we have an explanation for how Luke got the designation Red 5 because basically there was an opening, you know. Well, those are the those are the kind of yeah, those are the kind of Easter eggs I, I love because and, and like, you know, that just sort of slamming things together to make them to make them line up you know that's what i was most worried about was this not lining up smoothly because usually that's not a problem with me but with this they have the opportunity to do it you know it lines up pretty close about the only one i could think of that i think you've got to do a maybe until maybe i like read the novel or, or something or Whatever you might have to do a little bit of mental, you know, gymnastics to make it work in your own mind is the whole thing of, uh, again, that massacre scene because they have a physical disc at that point. Yes, that they pass through an airlock and then the Tantifor breaks it. You know, it almost like launches from a mothership essentially and splits off. Well, I never got the impression in the original Star Wars that that particular ship had escaped from a battle. I, I took it very literally with the dialogue that we're given is that, you know, several transmissions were beamed to this ship. That's no longer true. Right. They they were on a disc, you know, so Vader was chasing a disc, not a beamed transmission anymore. So, I mean, it's kind of splitting hairs. It's, it's semantics of his, of what he chose to say. But and also, you know, it makes how far the crawl are they of from... Star Wars? It gives a little heft to the crawl of Star Wars too. Well, on that subject, you're going to laugh, but here's my thing. So they they you know they they go into their suicide mission and they're in the shit, and then the basically the the rebel fleet to the rescue kind of thing. 
as that's happening, as cool as it was and the visuals and the big battle, and I mean, I got one of my biggest fanboy wishes for Star Wars ever, which was to see X-Wing versus AT-AT. That was friggin' amazing. Yes. I've wanted to see that since yeah. the old uh, Walt Simonson issues of Marvel Star Wars, where, you know, it was an, an AT-AT versus an X-Wing. I've always wanted to see that, so that was amazing. But as amazing as all that was... The fanboy in me is going, no, 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 no. They never assembled the fleet before Return of the Jedi. And that was really pushing that nitpicker button. It was really starting to annoy me. I, I and it got all the way to the end of the movie with the Vader massacre. And because I could see this lining up with the beginning of the next movie, I guess it got me to thinking about the next movie. And all of a sudden, I started thinking about the crawl. Rebel spaceships striking from a hidden base have won their first victory against the evil Galactic Empire. And I'm like, wait, wait a minute. I, this really isn't wrong, except for one thing. So now I can buy it. Okay, Rebel spaceships, I, I can see it. But I would have been much more content with what it was when it started, which was you know some X-Wings showing up to help them out. I'm still a little bothered by it being more than that, with it being actually well, the like the full fleet assembles. Well, because for one, I think they were going for a very Return of the Jedi vibe, right down to not Admiral Akbar being in the swivel well, that's chair. What I, what I think happened is the Mon Calamari, right? That's the uh, Mon Calamari yeah. Yeah. Were, were like... What when 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 Rogue Squadron took off, and the rest of the rebellion was like, ah, we quit the Mon Calamari. We're like, now nah, we're going. And one and they had the big ships, and they and I'm guessing that since Akbar wasn't there, and there were other Mon Calamari there, that Mon Calamari are maybe like known, you know, for their military minds. So that's why they're like, you know, they they have the big ships and. Or maybe well, they, bu they you, built though, the big ships. Let me ask you, though, does that bother you? Because now here's the thing is that I'm, ha I'm having in certain instances, I'm having trouble reconciling new Star Wars and the old Star Wars. I know the EU is gone. I, right. So I know that in a lot of ways, this is new Star Wars, you know, and, and we're kind of having to you know, we, we've had the, the reset button, you know, reset right. button pushed on us, essentially. However, I'm still thinking that's even with the new continuity, I'm thinking that's still continuity, isn't it? That the Mon Cal's didn't join the fight until the final fight in Return of the Jedi. Am I, am I wrong about that? I'm not sure. You know, I would almost have to want to read the novels again. Ex exactly. See, I mean, I can I know I made a big deal when we reviewed the first I think it was just the first issue of the new Star Wars right. comic, you know, the Marvel Star Wars. I know I made a big deal about getting things ahead of time, like AT-ATs and speeder bikes and yes. all that. I can forgive all of that with this movie. I, I don't know what the difference is. I couldn't explain it to you, but seeing AT-ATs in this like thrilled me. It felt it, like it, it did. Fit. It felt like it fit. I think that was the thing. So it, it didn't annoy me. I was actually thrilled with AT-ATs and all the other stuff we got. But the Mon Cal's, I'll be honest with you, while everybody else was cheering, I was groaning because I do feel like that actually is out of the continuity, if you know what I mean. I think we're getting the Mon Cal's too soon. I, I really didn't like the full fleet assembling for this fight because it just felt we didn't really need wrong it, to actually. Me. We, we didn't need it, but it just feels... 
for one, I think that does steal a bit from Return of the Jedi, but also in the actual continuity. And again, I don't at this point, I'm I'm friggin' lost on what is and what isn't continuity anymore. <laughs> right. So maybe it's maybe it's no longer continuity that the Rebel fleet didn't fully assemble until Sullust. But it, it still, even if even if it's no longer continuity, it's still somehow it just feels wrong. I was I was much happier when the battle started and it was just oh my god we are screwed we could really use some help and a, a squadron of X wings show up I that was fine with me because once I realized again the whole opening crawl rebel spaceships blah 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 I'm like okay I, I now I'm reconciled but the entire fleet so you're telling me that there was a major and you know, this was no longer a skirmish in which you know a scrappy little band of guys won a a victory. This was now, there was a full-fledged battle, like Gettysburg. It was, it was like Jedi, you know? where it was an endgame, where yeah. it was like, okay, Rogue Squadron's gone out, they've already pulled the trigger. <laughs> They're going right. to get it, and so if they if they get it and we don't have anybody there to receive it, then they're just going off to die. So the right. Mon Calamari were like, all right, we gotta go, and then some, you know, the I, I, I got the impression that Mon Mothma was standing around there going like, wait, wait, we got to talk about this while everybody's just getting in their ships and going, all right, let's go, and just sort of showed up, you know. And if we had that entire engagement where it looked like there were hundreds, maybe even thousands of ships duking it out with each other before the Battle of Yavin, you, you mean to tell me in that entire massive battle that we saw that either everybody, you know, rebels speaking, that either all the rebels got away or all the rebels died that were still in the, you know, like there were no survivors essentially is what I'm saying, that they didn't manage to capture somebody that Vader could wring information out of to get, you know, where the rebel base was. That that seems a little unlikely to me. Right, right. So I don't know. I, I, I am a, I am a bit troubled by the size of the battle. I think Vader was laser focused on getting that info because because at that point, once that information leaves Imperial hands, it's that's like it's do or die for both sides. Now, as long as the rebels have it, they could actually blow up the Death Star, and you know. Darth Vader's number one goal is to stop that because the Emperor will kick his ass, you know? <laughs> and, uh... Oh, speaking of Darth Vader, that was my second that took me out of it, was the first appearance of full-suited Darth Vader. Now, maybe it's because I've watched the Rebels one with Darth Vader in it so much, and he's stylized. Right. But didn't he look kind of fat and friendly? Like well, you know, chubby cheek uh, and, and friendly. Again, I don't. I'm not going to rat anybody out because I don't have this permission, this person's permission to to speak on their behalf. But one of our very good friends that I was in communication with right after the movie um, was saying, you know, he he was basically he was bitching about Vader's outfit and saying, you know, he looked. I think I'm trying to remember the exact thing he said, but it was something to the effect of um, it, it looked like bad cosplay from a convention. And I gotta kind of be honest, I wouldn't go that far. But when he did come walking, you know, out of the castle there, I kept looking at him, going, "It's not a hundred percent. It wasn't. It, it, there's quite something." C3PO in Force Awakens, where he looked like he was made out like a plastic model kit, <laughs> but it was it was a little bit. And 
like I'm gonna I'm gonna explain right after this complaint about why I think that the the all the appearances of Vader are actually masterful in this. But when I was watching that scene, for one, I'm thinking at this point when when he's in his back to tank. That was cool. That was fucking. That was Empire Strikes Back cool to me. That was like pouring pure warm Star Wars all over my my head. Now, but, um, Logan and I were debating because we, we felt like neither one of us got a really solid look at it, but did he have his mechanical limbs detached in that detached. sequence? He was, yeah, he was just, it looked like he was just sort of, yeah, the, the flesh part of Anakin. Yeah. And I'll get back to that, why this, this is so, why this hit me so, but that, but when, you know, on my first watching of it, and only watching of it, um, you know, when, when, when he comes walking down, they play, you know, the, uh, a sort of subdued but really there, you know, Imperial March. And at this point, I know it's Darth Vader. I don't need to hear the Imperial March. And, and, and granted, this is his grand entrance, but I would have liked to have heard that even more subdued when they were dumping the Bacta out. And then maybe when you start seeing Vader after that, you hear like the Snoke music or the you know or the the same music from Episode Three that ah sort of <laughs> right thing you know which is really evil sounding since that's where they were going. But well, I kind of wonder though if maybe musically Giacchino was not trying to spoil ahead as well, if you know what I mean, right, like right. steal stuff from later in the saga. And, and if that's right. true, I respect that. I think that's actually a brilliant idea because you never. But it hear... was in episode three. He could just use it as that. The that's true. Yeah. Theme from the theater in episode three. But I also heard that he didn't have a lot of time to work on this, so. Um, Still yeah. did a bang up job though. I thought. Yeah, yeah. It, it it wasn't amazing, but it had enough John Williams in it and enough. It it moved, but but anyway, that 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 scene. I'm watching it and I was just so disappointed because Vader does a double pun one liner. That's basically what it is. You know, don't choke on your your aspirations. So he's got a choke and aspirations, which breathing, you know. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah, right, right. And it's like this is the big entrance for Vader. I mean, it's not a bad appearance of Vader. Like if this were a weekly TV show and you're seeing Vader all the time, this would be like pretty standard Vader stuff. But that's where I think they were. That's what I think they were doing. They were like, they knew where they were going with him. So you get sort of in the three, you know, the scene with him in the back to tank. And then him just undergoing his normal business of being, you know, an intimidating prick. And then, you know, then him being the fucking force of nature, you know. But starting out with him in the back to tank, instantly, I'm thinking Anakin, you know. And I start thinking about Clone Wars and stuff. And the character of Anakin in Clone Wars. And then I'm thinking... Man, it looks warm and cozy in that back to tank. You know, it's all steamy and stuff. And I'm thinking that's where Anakin goes to just like, oh, you know, relax. And he probably has like bad nightmares, you know, but it's probably him, you know, his 
quote unquote human time. And then all of a sudden he's got to get out of it, get in his suit, deal with stupid house MD and get on with his work. And, uh, so you're thinking, okay, Darth Vader, whatever. And you're just totally unprepared for the, the thing that sort of prepares you that, oh my God, this is going to be crazy is (coughs) the smoke that comes out of the door is like black evil smoke and then you see the lightsaber light up and you're like oh my god this is gonna go nuts and i think it sort of blindsides you a little bit and 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 at that point when that whole scene was playing out i was thinking a lot about clone wars i was thinking this reminds me of when anakin was fighting in clone wars and he would just be but he would be taking out droids now he's taking out human you know human rebels just like right well, actually, not like do do do, but he's mad and he's just you know he's angry, but at the same time he's controlled and focused. And well, it reminded me of that scene. Um, I don't know if you read the Darth Vader book that Marvel was putting out until recently, I, but I've, there was the Darth Vader Down series where yes. he winds up. He's on his own and he's stranded on this planet, and he winds up at one point being surrounded by dozens of armed rebel soldiers that have him dead to rights and they tell him to surrender and he refuses. And, uh, and he's, he says something about, they, I forget exactly how it was worded, but something about, uh, I, I think some of them say, well, what do you see around you or something like that? And he says, I see nothing but traitors and dead men or some, something to that effect. And then he takes them all out, which is amazing because, you know, he's so badly outnumbered, Yet, you know, he's he's the victor in the fight. And that's kind of what this was. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, it was a smaller band and they were scared shitless, but they still greatly outnumber him. And he wipes them all out. And that, I, that, that was glorious. And I, I cannot stress enough the, the, the effectiveness, almost a rated R Star Wars scene. It's so scary that you can like it's so well directed. You can see those guys are shitting their pants, man. They're they're duking their drawers. I mean, they're almost like, sh- you know, the, I think there were scenes with their guns shaking in their hands. And I really like that that Disney is like we're going to get instead, you know, the 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 thing that I was I'm most afraid of with Star Wars characters is like Darth Vader becomes that that song and dance show where dance off Darth Vader you know where people have a hard time taking him seriously right yeah and I like between rebels in this movie Darth Vader's horrifying he's back to being you know when the door opens and Empire Strikes Back and you see him sitting there you go oh shit (laughs) oh man these guys are in trouble you know He's he his character is back in that dimension now, and not in you know iconic characters that have that are around for twenty or thirty years. They they run that risk of becoming you know watered down or or made humanized. And I mean they I mean George Lucas actively worked to humanize Darth Vader, and right. a lot of people just sort of were like well there's no coming back from that but apparently there is <laughs> and th- they do it really well and i think you know 
all all those people bashing the sequels 20 years from now that people won't even remember if there was they'll just be Star Wars movies but I think George Lucas was very wise between the prequels and Clone Wars of developing the character of Anakin Skywalker and the way that he was developed that makes now knowing that that's Anakin inside that suit doesn't make me go like oh poor Anakin look where he's got it's like holy cow <laughs> You know that's horrifying, and pff, that's where you want him to be. You, you, when when Darth Vader shows up now in Star Wars movies, if I gotta assume is that he's going to, you know, here or there, or if we're, I mean, right now, if someone if someone did a really good Darth Vader movie, it could be one for the ages. You know, it could be crazy. I would sort of. If they did do a Darth Vader movie, I'd sort of like like them to go a little milder than this one. This one, if you have like milder, what do you mean milder? Like so, so, something that you could take your five or six year old kid to, maybe. Oh, <laughs> they're I... gonna want to see it. Like a five or six year old kid, there'd be some explaining to do probably with most kids with this movie. You know, under a certain age, you know. Well, I don't know. I mean, I. It's it's funny you should say that because I, I was going to save this for last, but I, I thought it'd be a nice way to wrap up. You know, now that we have this, you know, standalone movie, um, and we haven't quite graded it yet or what. But I was going to say, you know, what what would be on your wish list for either, you know, outright what do you want to see as another standalone movie or just things in a standalone movie? This this was uh, right up there for me. I don't know necessarily top of my list. But definitely on my list is Darth Vader movie. I'd like to see a, a standalone Darth Vader movie, but I want more of what we saw here. Yes, you know. Yeah, so I do. I, 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 I do too. Want it tamer. I, I I would want it at least this same level because. Well, I mean, I, they I, did it in Rebels. Very, yeah, I mean, I would, I would let a six-year-old kid watch Rebels. I would think twice about about this, mm -hmm. but it's not. It, it might not even be the Darth Vader part that I would like hesitate about. It would be like. All the main characters dying. Yeah, Six year old kid when the robot dies, it's gonna be like that could be traumatized. I, I I read some guy saying he heard reviews that he shouldn't took, take his kids and he took his kids his five and six year old and they came out stunned and like in shock. See, I was trying to figure what got the movie the the PG thirteen, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was the robot death that kids would find most traumatizing the, over the, the human deaths. To the be honest, the robot death, you. the scene with Darth Vader because he's he he well, he's sticks that scary. guy to the ceiling and then just behind his back just casually guts the guy. You know, right? The, I mean, guts don't spill out, but you see. Like the orange lightsaber line is gone. Like, yeah, that guy's done. <laughs> so it's it's pretty, it's pretty not like gory, but it's violent and intense. It's I mean it's I was clutching intense. the theater seats just like oh my god. It was intense. I mean, granted the scene itself is not very long, but that's a scene I can find. I can see myself, you know, once this is out on uh, on Blu-ray. You know, just watching again and again, and and just examining and just you know just glorying in because this is something I I had wanted for a long time. I'd wanted to see it, but also I felt like we kind of needed this. You know, I I've seen it questioned quite a bit. Did we even need Rogue One? You know, the the film itself, 
And I would kind of side on, no, he really didn't, but it's still fun. But this scene, the Darth Vader scene, I think we actually did need that because yes. I, I think that we were, we were long overdue to see two things related to Darth Vader. For one, him just being a badass, you know, and really establishing just what how he badass do. he is. But also, we needed to see how does Darth Vader work exactly in a situation like like what got him that killer rep and right here you can see this is what got him that killer yeah. rep because he has not lost a beat with everything he's lost he you know he lost his wife he, he lost his old life he lost you know the the ability to the live jedi. outside of that suit he lost his mentor he lost the jedi you know he he's all burned and scarred he lost limbs everything he's lost yet He's lost nothing when it comes to his swordsmanship and in his you know control of the force because we see right here exactly how Darth Vader works. You know, we see him deflecting shots at the same time taking people out, using the force, throwing people around. That's the shit that we needed to see Darth Vader doing finally and we could see it with this one. You could see the force in action so much in that scene that like like it, in some ways, visually, it reminded me of the stupid Matrix filming stuff they did, but it wasn't. Really? They weren't slowing it down or no, doing the like right. freeze, but it had that frozen in time moment of like, not even in a movie, but in reality, where something so intense and awful is happening that it's sort of burned into the memory. Right. And that's what that was that was this was like all the it was like this hallway full of people's last moments and it gets progressively worse for each person because they're watching what's happening to the people behind them and it's and it's in this enclosed space and it just has this weird almost hyper reality to it and at the same time it's got like the way he's deflecting the the lasers and stuff with the with his lightsaber it's stuff we've seen before in Star Wars and in Clone Wars and stuff but now it's now it's on that you know the you know the movies film filmed a little more with handheld cameras and stuff right. so it's quote unquote more real so did you and then see... when you see Darth Vader in that in the real world, it's like, yeah, here's what would happen if you miss ran into pissed off Darth Vader on the street, and it's not something you want to see. It is something you want to see, though. <laughs> did you see in Rebels where where Vader for one, just when Vader showed up, but especially like say when Vader and Ahsoka finally confronted each other and fought? Did Did you see those episodes? Oh yes, oh yes. So. I can remember watching them and thinking it's a damn shame they can't do this in live action because, again, you know, not not putting down the original trilogy, original trilogy in any way, but even in Empire, you know, in in the in that classic awesome fight between Vader and Luke, if you really watch the scenes carefully, you can see. Vader's, a, you know, he's a little clunky. He's a big guy in a suit that doesn't have very good. You yeah, know, one of his big moves is to a, just jump forward with his with his chest out. 
Right, yeah. So, you know, he looks a little stiff and a little clumsy, especially, you know, there's the the part where, like, Luke nicks him in the arm and then he, you know, he kind of just clumsily swings his lightsaber. So there's a lot of that in the original trilogy of him just kind of being almost just like the big monster who can't see very well. And again, that's why I think this this was so important for us to finally get this scene where where we see him really laying into these other people. But I remember watching those parts of uh, Rebels with Vader in it and just thinking, man, I wish we could get this live action. And now we have. And that made me really happy. That was amazing to me. I thought that was good stuff. I had a question for you, though, is that, you know, I did watch a number of the trailers for this uh, you know, prior to the movie coming out, especially like the the first like teaser trailers and different things that we uh, got in the beginning, it seems to me there was an awful lot of stuff that we saw imagery for that didn't make it into the final movie. And I know dialogue. we talked about um, oh, you talked about the Tie Fighter. What what dialogue? There was the the robot like there was a scene out. It was like outdoors where the robot like grabs her and goes. The captain told me not. Uh, like oh yeah i was told not to kill you or, I, or right. i'm not going to kill you and she's like oh thank you he's like the captain told me not to or something right. like that and there right. was a scene where she said uh uh it's a, i i rebel this is a rebellion you know the, right yeah the, that that wasn't in it either that wasn't there there was this the one scene because see when they kill when she uh I, I forget whether it's her or han with an accent that shoots white thrawn I didn't think he was dead because there was that scene in one of the early trailers where his cape was flowing and he was, and it was dragging in the water as he walked through the water to the sandbar. You know, you know the scene I'm talking about it was like mm-hmm. him and a bunch of troops advancing on a sandbar. And I don't think that was in the movie either. That was either. not in the movie. No. No, so, he basically stayed in the base until he was like I'm going to go finish this off. So Right. And then one that I definitely thought of because I had the image as my background on my computer for quite a while. There was a shot. I think it was the last trailer I ever watched for the movie before I stopped watching them. Cause I didn't want to be spoiled on anything more, but there was uh, a shot of Vader and his back is to us. And he's looking at a screen that is clearly one of the readout screens on mm-hmm. the Death Star. It's that one with, like, the elongated concentric circles. It's like the Comic-Con trailer I think you, you're talking about. It could be. And that wasn't there because we never see Vader on the Death Star. I wonder if some of them weren't filmed just to in so they could put trailers together. You know, mm. and they're like, we know Vader's going to be in it, and we know this guy's going to be in it. So we'll, like, now that we're on the set, we'll film him with a bunch of troopers or something. Or right. it, it it I it might have gotten all a lot of stuff might have gotten reconfigured to That's kind of what I'm wondering. To yeah. to do to to end it like they did. See I'm I'm not sure how to feel about that because I, I gotta I gotta be honest with you, I'm a little annoyed with that because I think you know It happens back in a the, lot lately. Back in you know in the eighties or nineties I think you could more easily get away with that before, you know, the internet and, and things being so readily available. So like now it doesn't go away yeah you know way back when when you know there was like the trailers for roger rabbit you know with with eddie with the pig head painted on him for example you know it's easy by the time you get to the theater to completely forget you ever saw that but now with the internet and you can sit and you can watch the same trailer a billion times before the movie actually comes out 
those images become kind of ingrained. And so you're spending a lot of the time of the movie waiting for those moments. And when yeah, they and don't see come, it's vi- a little annoying. You'll see you know? something visually that'll cue you that that moment's coming and then it never happens. I right. think that happens now nowadays a lot. And I think once the movie's been out for a while and made a billion or two dollars... There'll be, you know, commentary tracks and making of videos and unreleased footage where we'll get to find out, you know, what it was they did, you know, what 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 the actual tinkering was. I, I'm sure at this part, you know, since it's the Star Wars, you know, mystery box thing, it's like keep as much of it under wraps. But as as the movie's out for a while, you know, you'll probably get, you know, you'll get interviews with Gareth Edwards and and stuff like that and we'll really get to find out what what happened you know because it, it, it it's apparent apparently looks like it's going to be a success <laughs> so you know now they if 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 the movie tanked they probably wouldn't want to talk about what what they did to it and you know because that could have tanked it or or whatever you know because it would run but now it's a victory it'll be a victory lap so we could talk about how, like, oh, it's going to end like this, so we made it better, or, you know, or this happened. Um, whatever whatever happened, I think it probably was to the benefit of the film, uh, to me. And I think it's the ending, because the ending of it, that, that, that sequence from Darth Vader on to the bitter end of it, has a little different feel to it, you know, than the rest of the movie. And, and so I, I think that might be might be what what happened um did uh, i have a question for you did you think saw Gerrera was supposed to be sort of like the rebellion's version of darth vader kind of wheezy and fake limbs you know way out on the radical end of you know basically doing whatever he would have to do to get whatever he what he needed to do do you think they? I I, I, I think I, they were trying to set that up. I don't think it completely worked. Yeah, I was just gonna say I, I can kind of see that, and it's weird because while I was watching the movie, I remember thinking he was very Vader-like, right, with the wheezing and like you say the artificial limbs and all that. But I never really put it together that they might actively be consciously going for that vibe. And if they were, yeah, then total fail because I I didn't get that. He reminded me a little uh, character-wise of Khan (laughs) in some ways. I was almost expecting him to put a worm in someone's ear, but instead he brought out the slug brain sucker. I I have to be honest that that whole portion of the movie kind of left me flat. The whole thing with... You know, going into that town and and raising hell and getting caught in the middle of a battle and and meeting up with you know, Forrest Whitaker and all. I just that that whole part was kind of lost on me. There was a whole lot of that where I'm like, I'm not exactly sure what the hell is going on here, and I'm not sure why I'm supposed to care. They were they were where they were at like I think it was an old 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 Jedi temple. And that's right. why that's why the Empire was there to get the Kyber crystals, and that's why um, Space Stick was there because right. he was a will or associated with the wills or a caretaker of the wills, or whatever. Uh, there was a there was a, a, a audible buzz through the theater once the word wills was spoken. People loved that. Mm-hmm. I loved that. I, I was I was happy to see that. 
I was also just another was it's more of a Sith wrinkle in it. I loved that Darth Vader has his own like little wizard like henchman helper acolyte type people who come in and go Lord Vader someone here to see you. I loved that guy. Well, I love that we finally got basically Castle Vader. I thought that was yes. pretty neat, you know? Because that was imagery I had had in my head sometime between Empire and Jedi. I had always envisioned a castle much like the one we were shown, more for the Emperor than for Vader, but it was still cool to see, you know, for, for either one of them. I just thought that that was neat. This, you know, because that's what I always kind of think the bad guy would live in, you know, is like, you know, the evil castle. And well, that's, that's essentially what he was going to have in the sort of Splinter of the Mind's Eye cheap sequel that right. Lucas was thinking of, too. Right. Vader in his own sort of. And Grievous had one of those in Clone Wars, too. And it was awesome. So, yeah. that And I, I, I was trying to figure out was that supposed to be on Mustafar, maybe? I kind of wondered about that. It I don't like they Mustafar from the air. Yeah, they didn't come right. Uh, to my recollection, they didn't come right out and say what planet it was. But that, that was that one was of the cool. planets they didn't put a title under. They usually put a little right. title under where the the planet was. So right, that was that that. So I was like, ah, that, that would be. I'm like, that would be kind of a weird place to want to hang out. Bad memories, but then again, you're Darth Vader, so. I can see it in sort of a this is where I was born or, or reborn, you yeah. know, kind of way, I guess. But in uh, a yeah, second twisted way, which yeah, which it should be, I guess. But yeah, that was that that that's awesome, and it's awesome that that you know House MD has, when you got to go talk to Vader, that's where you got to go. That's right. got to be intimidating. When you're in your spaceship pulling up to that place, it's like, oh, time to go visit Lord Vader. So, yeah, not, yeah, I, I, and, and getting back to the CG, this is one point I wanted to make with the CG. This was another point that, that put this over the top Star Wars wise with me over The Force Awakens was with the CG. And some of the aspects of the way they filmed the space battles and some of the stuff we see, there was some innovation in this one. And and there was some innovation in the way they told the story. And that's what I think was lacking from The Force Awakens, like the most primary thing. And not just an innovation like, in uh, story aside, innovation in the story with this was just a form of innovation. But that that Star Wars thing where we pushed the envelope of technology to make this movie happen. And they, they did not, and, and like um, say Empire Strikes Back, they didn't um, invent stop motion, but they, they added the go motion aspect of it, you know? They innovated stop right. motion to make stuff look re more realistic. These guys have taken the CG character and taken it to finally to that point where Grand Moff Tarkin was doing shady dealings. The only thing I think that held Grand Moff Tarkin back was the voice acting. I think the guy could have yeah, I, I put, thought put that a little too. more drama, put a little more yeah. piss and vinegar into it like Peter Cushing did. Peter Cushing was hamming it up a little bit. You know, he was, he was, that's Peter Cushing. He was from horror movies. 
So right. that guy, uh, but I think they, I think, I'll bet you when they did the whole thing, they were like, we got to dial it back a little bit. We got to make, you know, they just were tweaking it to get it to where it was realistic. And that's what I really appreciate is they did something. They pushed filmmaking ahead. Now. Damn now, straight they did. Because that's now the thing I've been be thinking about. The next, when John Wayne shows up in a movie and is in the whole movie, they're going to mention Grand Moff Tarkin as being where that started. You know, Right. There's going to be there's going to be C- CG characters brought back to life pre-Grand Moff Tarkin and post-Grand Moff Tarkin now. And that's what Star Wars should do regularly. Right. I'm <laughs> just thinking I don't think Disney has to do it with every movie. That's unrealistic and kind of dickish to ask for, but I think they should have definitely 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 done it with Force Awakens, especially with there being over a decade in between the last Star Wars movie. So it's like, yes, there's been a jump in technology. You guys jump it, jump it again, you know. And and Lucas jumped digital and CG technology. He built, designed new digital cameras for the prequels. And every movie didn't have a technical innovation, but all three of them were a technical in- innovation. So, I like that aspect of this. That means somebody somewhere gets that. So we're gonna we're gonna Star Wars movies are gonna be, I hope. And it seems like the cutting edge of movie technology, you know, the cutting edge of what you can do visually and to make a sequence exciting. And they I mean, that um, the the theater when they pulled out, what was it? The Hammerhead Corvette and it just drilled into the side of that Star Destroyer. Oh, my God. The theater, the small, you know, the small amount of people in the theater were just like, yes. And I was just like, yep, go Star Wars. <laughs> that's that's what you want. And visually, there was nothing like that in The Force Awakens. I don't want to do, do a, a, you know, compare and contrast with that movie. But visually, there was nice stuff in there, and there was beautiful-looking stuff in there. But there wasn't anything that was like... And even the CG characters in there weren't up to, you know... They weren't even quite up to Gollum snuff, so... Well, I, I, I'll give one comparison between the two, which is... It's funny because uh, I kind of got called out for it um, on Facebook the day that we were going to see this, because I posted something about how important this movie was to me personally in the sense of a lot of my faith in Star Wars was riding on Rogue One. And, and continued interest. Yeah, because and and I got called out. Um, you know, somebody had just said, "Well, gee, I thought you liked the last one." I have come to kind of regret the episode that we did on the last one. I, I guess just so much doing it when we did it, because at the time I still had that kind of, you know, that kind of glow from having just come from the theater and all that yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, but it was not a glowing. Uh, you didn't give a glowing review. I didn't. You were like I, I liked it. It was I, you know. Yeah. But here's the thing is that over time and, and subsequent rewatches, that movie completely fell apart to me. The funny thing with this one is I'm not exactly glowing, but I liked it. And here's the funny thing is that it's the complete opposite of Force Awakens. I expect this movie to get better with subsequent rewatches because my my best summation for me personally with Rogue One 
I think this is the Thor 2, you know, Thor the Dark World of Star Wars movies for me. When I saw Thor the Dark World, I liked it, but I, you know, again, I wanted to love it. And it was like, I liked it. It was a lot of fun. It could have been better here. It could have been better there. I liked this part. I liked that part. Eh, it was it was okay. And that's pretty much how I'm feeling about Rogue One. It, it was okay. I, I had a good time. But then I went back and I watched Thor 2, you know, several more times. And every time I watch it, I find new things. And I, and I gain a, a greater appreciation and a greater respect. Do I... You know, do I still think it's the best one? No, and I probably never will, but I like it. And I think much the same thing is going to happen with Rogue One. I think, you know, subsequent rewatches, um, you know, the things that annoyed me before might get greater. I might discover new things that annoy me. But on the whole, I think I'm actually going to find newer things that I'll appreciate that much more because I know the guy that made the movie i know what he was going for i saw a really good documentary as a matter of fact i think it's the documentary that's showing when you go to the star wars launch bay at hollywood studios there there's a, a you know kind of like a star wars over you know overview type of thing and there was something in there with the with the director talking about you know this was his he, he sounded so much like us you know he grew up with star wars and you know he got into movie making just because of star wars you know and now here he is he's been handed his dream project and you know it's the dream of a lifetime and he wants to do it right and, you know so so much of what he was saying i could see you or i saying the same thing yeah. like you know that totally we've dreamed of this. This guy, is what yeah. we wanted, and and but you've also got that you know that that weight you know that that Gus Grissom moment or not Gus Grissom Al Shepard moment. You know, please God, don't me fuck up. You know, yeah. so yeah. there's that whole thing, and I can appreciate all of that. So I don't think he did f up. Um, I I think he really tried to deliver you know not only something that you know was his big fan desire but also something he thought other fans would appreciate too and i think he most... tried to 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 like do it right you know what i mean he tried to like right. he tried to like he did a good job of avoiding the foibles of like the special editions where they tried to add on where lucas tried to add on to you know what was going on and deepen it he's he look you could tell he analyzed that and said okay where did that work and where didn't it work and why didn't it work and acted on it you know the thing that's going to be you know the thing that i can see that i'm going to continue to struggle with for some time until you know hopefully i eventually just learn to make my peace with it is that um probably my biggest issue with the force awakens and and it is a big issue with rogue one as well is the realization that they are fan films. So my first reaction to both films was was kind of the same, which was, man, there's a lot of fan wankery in this. It feels like a fan film. Well, they are. Right. That's the problem is that they are they are huge budget fan films. There's no way to get around and it. There's almost. no way to exactly. There's no way to get around that because it, they're not George Lucas Star Wars movies. They're fanboy star wars movies and i've got to get over that hurdle and once i get over that you know if i ever do i think i'll appreciate them and and, and they'll do so much better for me personally so i'm still kind of stuck at that and eh, there's still a lot of fanboy wankery going on but it's if it did feel like it was dialed 
way back in this one. It still wasn't perfect. There were still moments that I was like, eh, I didn't need that. But R2 and 3PO brought me out of it a little bit. Yeah. Um, but it was, once again, it was short. So it was just like, oh, okay, toss it, toss away joke, toss it away. <laughs> That's one thing I'll give him is, you know, even as much as I was, you know, like you, I was annoyed with Dr. Evazan and Walrus Man because I didn't need them to speak. Right. At least it, it they're getting shorter. So if they are going to keep doing these little fan nods, I think they're getting smarter in how they're doing them. So, you know, it, it's, a, it's a quick little, oh, okay, that's cute, or, oh, okay, whatever. But then you move right along. It's, it's not like it's gone. It's Awakens where it was, oh, look, it's the chess table. Oh, let's turn the chess table on. Oh, look, it's the characters on the ch-. And it's like, Jesus, you know, that, that annoyed the hell out of me. Well, remember and how gets, we pre- predicted a CGI character? I'm, mm-hmm. I, Nostril Dumbass, am going to make <laughs> another prediction now that you mentioned George Lucas. I don't think we've seen the last of George Lucas in no, Star Wars. I, I don't think we have uh, either. I've, I've been, uh, you know, I mean, he's he hasn't totally divorced. He has divorced himself from the creative end of it, but he goes and checks stuff out and, hey, you know, I'll see what's going on. And it sounds, I mean... He he, lo- he it sounds like he loved this movie. He actually took them like around Skywalker Ranch and was like, "Oh yeah, those are those are some unused footage." And was like, "Oh yeah, you can use it in the movie." And came down to the set and was like looking at their props, going, "Ooh, I like this." And everything he said that he liked, they put in the movie somehow. You know, they stuck it in there somehow because they're like, "How could you not?" And I think he start. You're, Remember when Leonard Nimoy went from I am not Spock to writing I am Spock? I think right. George Lucas is going through a little process of that, too. And and I could see the day, eventually, after we've had a bunch of Star Wars movies and maybe even played out this the, the 7, 8, and 9, that we hear start hearing rumors of like, yeah, George Lucas is talking about executive producing a Star Wars movie. Or, uh, I, I would be really happy with that because I, one thing I did yeah. notice, you know, in the in the last round of, you know, after Force Awakens and all, there seemed—I don't know if it's still going on or not—but there seemed to be, for a time anyway, a. It was just kind of a weird phenomenon. It was all of a sudden things went very much from oh thank god he's not involved anymore to the pendulum swung completely the other mm-hmm. way where there seemed to be a much more like. Oh, poor George Lucas, you know, and, and a lot of people started to maybe not necessarily clamor for him to come back, but just start to appreciate him now that he wasn't directly involved. And yes. I really appreciated that because, well, you know, it's like I, I think a lot of people, you know, and, and I'm the same way. I like I've liked both of I've liked actually 100 percent of Disney's Star Wars product so far has been amenable to me right you can tell he's not involved you can see he's not there you know and it's it's just the reality of it and it's but it's 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 and you know you don't know what you got till it's gone (laughs) which makes it sound a little more dramatic than it really is but i could see someday him going like yeah you know and 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 i could see him seeing this movie especially because it kind of reminds me of clone wars 
in in that respect to where he and you know George Lucas loves the dog fights in the World War Two stuff and this was like Pacific Island battles right. and stuff so I could see him thinking yeah I could I could uh, I could get involved with something like that you know and uh, and I and I and this is actually something I kind of like and especially in you, you know especially with this one because it's not off the main character things he's like i'll just give up the skywalkers and do a nice military star wars movie or something and and once again he'll be you know removed from it a degree to where it won't be like episode one two and three where everybody just goes along with everything he says you know right i i I could just i i can It'll be more like Empire Jedi, where he's got a director and he's working with them. And he comes up with a storyline, and then the writers actually work on the storyline to make the dialogue work and stuff. And I could totally see it happen. I'd really love to see it happen. Um, <clears throat> in the meantime, I think Disney, and maybe you got to owe it to a little bit to Filoni. I would like Dave Filoni to get his own Star Wars movies talked talking about wish lists i think dave filoni should direct a star wars movie i think he's earned it that would be um, cool oh where the hell was i going (laughs) i don't know where the hell were you going oh 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 but at at this point and like i think a lot of the fan services that they think and they're correct there's people who want the fan service and the easter eggs but at the same time what they're doing is they're they're expanding the universe they take each movie add a few things, have the touchstones, you know, and I mean, they, they played it kind of safe with Force Awakens where everything was a touchstone, but this movie has significantly less touchstones, but still a lot, you know, in locations and characters and things and sounds, but at the same time, pulling it out a little bit, you get a little more of uh, an idea of how the Empire works and how it looks and functions and the rebellion and everything. So with each each movie, it's basically like they they are so successfully building one of the largest un, you know fictional artistic universes ever, maybe short of you know Lord of the Rings, which has a main storyline, but he scripted out you know the whole timeline of the world and stuff like that. But it's dry. This is like this whole universe. And each time there's a new movie, that universe gets a little bit bigger, or a new TV show, or they notch it up. And it seems to me that Disney is being very conscientious about now that they have everything and they're building everything to keep it all lined up and making sense with each other. Which makes me think in Rebels, you know, not going to be a good fate for Kanan and Ezra Bridger. (laughs) You know, right. or they would have figured into the story of the other movies. You know, they're 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 not going to be just like, ah, oh, let's just pretend that this is happening in the cartoon. You know, so I'm happy with that. You know, right? Um, what, is Han Solo the next one after Episode Eight? Is... I, you know, I I don't know. I know that we're supposed to get one a year, and uh... it's got to be Han Solo because they were casting it. They've cast yeah. Han Solo in 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 Lando. I wouldn't <laughs> mind a Lando movie. Well, 
here here's the thing, and maybe it, there it, will we, be if the uh, if Lando in the Han Solo movie is young Lando is uh is popular, you know. We we've been going for a while now, so maybe it's time to to start mm. wrapping this up. So I'd yeah. say let let's go into our wish list. I I will say that. You know, I'm I'm excited for pretty much anything we're gonna get. I'm but I'm gonna be more excited for some projects than others. For me, I'm I'm really excited about um, Boba Fett. If that's really true, I'm still trying to remember if that was officially announced or not. Have they confirmed Boba Fett really is one I of the? I don't know if they have. Yeah, see, so I'm not sure. But Boba Fett, if you know, if there really is going to be a Boba Fett one. I keep hearing rumors of a of an Obi Wan, which I think would be amazing, mm. particularly if they could get um, Ewan McGregor if to come they get back. Ewan again. McGregor for you know, a, I mean, I mean, Rebels is going. It, it sounds like they're heading towards old Obi Wan. And let's put it this way: we could possibly see old Obi Wan at some point. In oh movie. hell yeah! And now yeah. everything is blown open. Now yeah. Well, that. on that subject of everything being wide open, um, you know, we talked about Darth Vader. Probably my number one at this point for you know absolute wish list. Okay, you know, if you can give me a CGI Leia that looks pretty damn convincing, you know, from from original Star Wars era. If you can give me Grand Moff Tarkin that again, you know, he's dead and looks pretty damn convincing then I'm pretty sure at this point, maybe not today, but within, say, five, ten years, I'm pretty sure that you could give me Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Oh. And I want that. Oh you my! Know? And you know what? And, and By that time, they could probably get away with an alternate universe and say... I don't think it needs it even needs to be that. I just want to see... I want to see the, you know, the original Plan B... For Star Wars, if if Star Wars hadn't become what it became and we got Empire instead, but I still maintain that you can have Splinter and Empire both and eat your cake too. You know what I mean? I don't you think mean like Splinter they did, they did a little writing, a little write around to just like tweak a few things to make it fit continuity wise. That's fine. I mean, if they want to, you know, so long as we're getting it's, the major, you're still you're still getting Luke of, and Darth Vader meeting. Yep. Before Empire. I'm I'm actually good with that. You know, I mean, supposedly all the new continuity is the new continuity. And we already got, you know, in the very first issue, Luke and Vader confront each other. I wasn't crazy about that, but I mostly wasn't crazy about that because, again, you threw Splinter away that did that from a, a comic that does well, the same thing and not near as cleverly. So they, they give never me Splinter said they back, never met know? each other, I guess, they're, in their conversation. Right. There was never – so you could uh, – yeah, I would uh, – <laughs> I would be very happy with that. I could see it almost being like if they did it in the style of Rebel. Well, maybe because that episode of Rebels with Darth Vader in it with, with Ahsoka reminded me so much oh, of Splinter yeah. of the Mind's Eye. Yeah, that me too. I could almost see like I could I, I I could almost enjoy it as a as maybe a little more advanced CG than than Rebels. But I could see it as a as a as an animation. That's one of my big wish lists. Is I would like to see an animated Yoda, in the in the style of Wall-E. You know, something hmm. like that. Something you know, yeah. a quiet solo Yoda adventure that's told visually. 
you know, just that could be through, interesting through lush, beautiful videos, uh, you know, uh, storytelling, visual storytelling. And I think it would, you know, that that could be the bit that that could be the way of doing a pure, not purely since everybody's going to watch a Star Wars movie, but a kid's Star Wars movie without making it sap, you know, right while making it, you know, and as a matter of fact, if I were Disney, I would talk to Pixar, you know, that might be that might be a Pixar. Um, uh, what's his name? Tomorrowland director type project. Right, that right. Was, if I if I'm gonna put together a dream team to it, and Bird, Bo- um, Brad Bird, Brad yeah. Bird, yeah, Boba Fett, I'm waiting and seeing because Boba Fett's character has been almost universally mishandled. His, his so far at his most interesting outside of him just looking cool and badass has been stuff that happened in the Marvel comics and um, young Boba Fett in Clone Wars. Right. Was, you know, because it was interesting to see his character as an angry child and stuff like that. So, if they can make, if, if, if they if they really, they, they would have to do a little reformation and, and show why, finally show why Boba Fett is such a badass. And, and oh, I think they could do that. I'm sure they could do At this point, I'm pretty sure they can do that. That's another character that's much in need of redemption because, you know, continuity-wise, the last time we saw him, he died like a bitch, you know, and, and so he needs redemption. Speaking of redemption, my, my last wish list, and some people may think I'm kidding when I say this, but I swear I'm, I'm serious as a heart attack. So you and I spent years of our lives defending and I think really, I think wonderfully uh, showing the, the quality that is in Marvel Star Wars. I mean, I think we did a really bang-up job. Of, of all the podcasting I've ever done, that's still the body of work I'm the most proud of, is what you and I did together with Marvel Star Wars. We covered it top to bottom, to tail, beginning yeah. To, yeah, to, to end. And while I wish that characters like uh, Lumia or Shira Bree or Fen Shisa or Pliff, or even Kiro were the face of Marvel Star Wars to the public at large. Sadly, they're they're really not. The the character that continues to be kind of the unofficial face of Marvel Star Wars really seems to be Jackson the Rabbit, even to this day. Oh, and this is totally not where going, I thought you were going. It keeps going around, you know, the internet. I keep, I, you know, there was another one the other day I saw that it was some clickbait thing, you know, the wackiest things about Star Wars or something like that. And very first thing on the list, Jackson the Rabbit. So at this point, they did a you co- know what I, uh, 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 alternate cover in the Marvel Star Wars right. and Jackson the Rabbit. A, on a it. couple of them, as it turned out. Oh. So here's the thing. You know, I, I loved what Rogue One was trying to do, you know, with giving us the Death Star droid and Gold Leader and Red Leader and, you know, even Walrus Man and some of the other ones they gave us. So if we're going to continue to get these movies, you know, once a year and they're going to continue to do these little moments in there then I don't think it would kill anybody to give Jackson. I mean, I don't care. It wouldn't if it's kill anybody. The, I'd die happy. <laughs> I, you know, at this point, let's, let's have a little love for Marvel star Wars. I know we're not the only ones that love it. 
you know, I, I know that, you know, a lot of the people that, that, you know, live and work for, for Lucasfilm and for Disney, everything have a great appreciation for that material. You know, a, a lot of the, the writers is particularly, you know, the latter day star Wars writers, you know, will admit that, you know, they, they borrowed ideas, you know, John Jackson Miller. I was just reading something on his Facebook uh, thing the other day, talking about how characters he's written into his different star Wars stories were pulled directly from characters that inspired him in Marvel Star Wars, like Baron Tag. Maybe Crimson, so, Crimson Jack will be in the Han Solo movie. <laughs> but you know, I, I, you know, I would be what totally. What was the name of the gambling? That. The gambling. The wheel. The wheel. Now that's something you could see turn up, like Han Solo and, and 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 Lando Calrissian go to the wheel to play. Uh, what is it, Sabic? Yeah, yeah, I could see that. But I'm serious, you know. I mean, if you're if you're gonna do it, I want it done big. I want, you know. And what I mean by that is, I thought you were going balance the cyborg hunter for sure. I could, yeah, I could see that too. But like I say, I think really, you know, if, if you're going to pull the man in the street about Marvel Star Wars, you know, as much as it might kill me, I think honestly, Jackson's probably the character that's going to come up. Yeah. You know, if you pulled people, you know, give me a quick name, an, an original character from Marvel Star Wars, probably Jackson's going to make, you know, the the one he's the one that's going to get mentioned more times than not. So I, I want to see that. I want to see him redeemed in one of these movies. And what I mean by that is, you know, how much would it gall the detractors of Marvel Star Wars that think it's nothing but the adventures of Jackson, even though, I mean, you and I proved Jackson was really in it for a blink of an eye when a you compare it to the, at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. So now make him official continuity have him just walk by in some scene. You don't have to call attention. He doesn't need any dialogue. It doesn't need to have to be, you know, any anything other than just, a, you know, a big green rabbit in a red and white spacesuit walks by in some scene. But I want that character in one of these movies just as a, you know, thumb your nose at all the people that, that stick their nose up at, marvel star wars because that's all they want to write it off as is you know look at how stupid it was it had a big green rabbit well you know i, I think you and i showed that it was so much more than that but even when the big green rabbit was there he was actually kind of badass yeah i want that yeah i'd like to see him in the bar like hey have have a bar fight and you just see him smash a drink over someone's head and then do that kick that, that captain awesome. kirk kick that he does that captain kirk slash rabbit kick that he does and that would be i mean don't get me wrong i'd love i'd love if we did like another rogue one style movie and he was one of the characters but that's not what i'm calling for i mean i'm like Just i said tip of I'm, the hat. Con I'm content exactly i'm content with him to be so far in the background i'm gonna have to wait till i get it on blu-ray to blow it up and see him i'm content with that i just want him there somewhere in one of these movies i don't think that's too much to ask for with some of the no. crazy well, aliens that we've seen and robots that we've seen in these movies i gotta tell you a couple months back on on uh j guys and jedi and i can't remember the name of the episode it was late in season two i believe um, where they had a, a, a episode where they 
it was basically the Magnificent Seven. Mm-hmm. They went, they, they ended, Anakin and Obi-Wan and Ahsoka ended up on a farm that was being muscled, muscled by, um, pirates. And they had a scene where they're all standing on the farm and the pirates come up to, you know, say, hey, we're badasses. And, oh, you got some new guys going to defend the farm. We'll see how that works up. Riding up on their space choppers, motors, you know, they're floating motorcycles, basically, you know, pre like the pre-land speeders from Marvel Comics. And I was watching this and I'm like, and, you know, the Dave Filoni was like, yeah, this is a lot like the Magnificent, you know, it's a tribute to the Magnificent Seven. But at the same time, so was that story. <laughs> right. And, uh, and, right. And here you have basically Sergi X riding up and being like, oh, you know, and I, I'm not even I remember I'm not even episode. sure if the guy had an eye patch or not, you know, but it was and I was like watching it thinking, I wonder, you know, I wonder. <laughs> I, I remember that episode you're talking about. I can't remember the, the specifics or the name of it, but I know the one you're talking yeah, about. And, yeah. And, and it, it made me actually wonder if somebody on there wasn't like, hey, you know, remember that, you know, Blah blah blah. You know, this sort of reminds me of that. Let's throw these guys on a, on you know make them look a little bit like space bikers. <laughs> so it's it's a it's a possibility. Uh, I would love at that. At this point, it, it it's this this movie kind of announces anything's possible at this point. Yeah. Anything's possible. We just gave you a star Star Wars movie with basically uh, for the for the main. For the for the main characters of the movie, not for the larger story, but it's a it's a not a happy ending. It's the least happy ending. Everybody dies, you know, literally. So, right. you know, that's that's not something anybody's going to expect in a Star Wars movie. So all right. bets all bets are are off. I don't think in the near future we're going to see a completely like. Hey, let's get David Lynch in and do an experimental, you know, expressionistic Star Wars movie. Twenty years from now, maybe. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, uh, getting back to the 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 Dark Horse comics, the the these these individual movies remind me a lot of Star Wars tales, and there were parts of this that played out, and and maybe I don't want to say it's lowered expectations. But at some point, I was thinking of this movie as being almost like a little bit of Clone Wars, a little bit of the dark, you know, the dark horse sort of writing of Star Wars comics and and the Marvel style of Star Wars comics, and you know, more of um, more. Even though it's a huge departure from the numbered films, it still sort of stands up with them, you know, in a way. You know, it's not. A, a side story it managed to make itself sort of like you know episode 3.5 or whatever so i'm i'm very optimistic i think i'm always going to be guardedly optimistic because you never know when things go wrong um but i'm hoping hoping for the best because i've seen what disney and marvel did together and i'm hoping that you know and and it seems like they've they're not copying what Marvel did, but they're they're doing the same thing in where they're like giving it room to do its thing and letting right. it, letting it do its thing as much as it's 
as much as Star Wars is going to do its thing without George Lucas, I'm, <laughs> I'm very, I'm very, you know, I'm very happy that these are fan, that these are Star Wars fans that actually get it to, to an extent so that, you know, we are getting Star Wars fan films and I wonder how much Gareth Edwards adjusted this movie to address things people didn't like about Force Awakens and hopefully that's an ongoing tweaking and yeah. tweaking process you know well you know I, I Force Awakens I still like it I watched it the day before I, I went to see Rogue One and I was getting different ideas out of it which I'll not even talk about because it's a whole other um, but I, I, uh, let's just put it this way. I'm happy J.J. Abrams is done directing Star Wars movies. I'm happy with Force Awakens. Bye-bye, J.J. Abrams. And I'm hoping Episode Eight has the Star Wars feel of Force Awakens. You know, that, that, that classic Star Wars look, but it has the the advent the, the adventuresomeness and and newness of rogue rogue one you know i'm hoping that that's what they i'm hoping force awakens was like look we just got to make sure we make everybody sad you know we can't have episode 1 so let's play it as safe as possible and not and hopefully between that and rogue one now they have confidence to well I think shooting might be almost wrapping up for seven. I think by now. But, yeah, I think so. But um, you know, I hope I hope that that, that seven is a, or eight is a is a continuation in the evolution that Rogue One was. And at this point, yeah, it it it, it could go wrong, but it, it it I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it now. You know, I'm 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 curious now for a while. <laughs> They're gonna have to screw up to lose. They they bought some goodwill for for a uh, while, so I'm I'm very happy Star Wars wise. I'm just I'm was just thinking about what you said though about everybody dying. I'm thinking you know if they were gonna do that, then as you know as as touching as it is and everything with you know the big bloom of you know nuclear death mm-hmm. that looks like the sunrise coming and swallowing swallowing them i i can't help but wonder what if they'd had uh i think their actual names are what Jin and cassian yeah if they just had them in a muscle car plow into a freight train at the end of it like dirty mary crazy larry i think i would have liked it that much better <laughs> i've seen i know exactly what movie you're talking about that was a <laughs> that's a great scene and they're like that was the end. It just ends. That was the end of the movie. Yeah, that that would be great, but their characters were too. I'm I'm so glad that they did not introduce a romance into it. Totally not needed. Would yeah, have in, I, would have been in any other movie. They just I dispensed think they with it. Teased it just a little they gave bit. Them a little spark between bef- them. Yeah, just before the end came, and I I can't help but wonder if that was just a mess with all the people that were speculating that those two were Ray's parents, uh, which I think is just a ridiculous fan theory because I don't think the math works. Yeah, no, and yeah, and and yeah. No, the math doesn't work because she doesn't have nine months to gestate between they when they got a chance to to, do, right. to build the beast with two backs and when they got blown up. 
Right. So, yeah, I mean, fan, some of the fan theories are, are yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. As far as assigning a number, knock yourself out if you want. I I, I can't at this point. I'm, I can't number grade it or even. I'm gonna give it an eight point five, but I know the dial wow. is gonna. I, I know the dial might go up to nine on subsequent viewings. I I, wow. I I I'm I'm really happy with this movie. I'm I'm taking them in like in the context of post George Lucas. And as far as post George Lucas goes, they're they're going better than I would have expected. So and I mean I walked out of this movie just uh, you know I mean when 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 it did the bump bump at the end, instantly my hands went up in the air in the like rock and roll devil horns, riding a uh, riding an um, roller coaster. It was just like yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and uh you know, and Scott McGregor and I were walking out going, I just we just saw a Star Wars movie. That was like legit Star Wars movie. So that that means a lot to me. <laughs> so yeah, I'm 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 rating it high. I'm uh I'm content just to say I liked it. As hey, far Mikey. as an actual ranking, um I liked it a hell of a lot more than The Force Awakens. And that's that's about as as far as I'm willing to go. Um, I, I think it's going to take subsequent viewings to really solidify. Okay, wh- how do I really feel, and where does this really rank? But as I said before, I expect, unlike the last Star Wars movie, I expect this one to my opinion to improve Bro, yeah. upon it, as opposed to I, I think I consciously realized. Walking out of Force Awakens, this movie's probably, I'm probably going to destroy this movie, you know, when I do turn my brain back on. Right. You know, and watch it yes. again, which is exactly what happened. Because every time I've rewatched it, it's, I, it, I have a tougher time making it all the way through because I just have too many problems. I don't have too many problems with this. Um, I have a couple of things that yeah I'm not crazy about, but I mean they're not movie destroying things like they right. are with Force Awakens. Um, they're not things where the plot just completely falls apart like Force Awakens. It's more little things like the Mon Cal's. Um, it I, I I really do fear that the probably the first half, possibly even the first you know three fourths of the movie is going to seem like a real slog the next couple of times around because I'll, you know you you know what it is you know where it's going you know what it's supposed to do and you know where it concludes so while I'll be looking forward to seeing the big old fight at the end again I'm not sure if there's anything but prior to that that I'm really looking forward to seeing all over again so there's that um but that said I I think Probably I think the best life this movie is going to live is watching this and the original one back to back. I yeah. think it could be a hell of a fun experience. You could, I'm you, amazed that I have not yet seen that advertised where any theaters in this area are doing a double feature. And oh I'm my, amazed by imagine that. how psyched an audience would be if mm-hmm. you didn't tell them and that movie ended and then they just started rolling Star Wars? 
that would be incredible people would go nuts yeah you could almost edit that movie you could almost edit the crawl out of star wars and just go you know yeah just 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 plop them credits out of the end and 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 crawl out of the beginning and mash them together and it would just be like rolling right along yep and, just about could. I'm trying that, to remember. Do you remember? Does does the Tantive Four go to light speed at the end of Rogue One? I believe it does. I, isn't Darth Vader just sort of standing on the edge there, just like looking at looking out, just like Ugh. I can't remember. I, I believe I believe they 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 detach and they go away, and he's probably got to hop onto his star destroyer. Yeah, I know they have them. to chase them, but I mean, I, I just couldn't remember because obviously, you know, they're not orbiting Tatooine as they, you know, as they're or, or passing Tatooine as they are in the beginning of the next film. So I was trying to remember how that all, you know, did they actually go to light speed, which they would have to do, you would think, to wind up at another planet, you know, for the next movie. So I just couldn't remember. What I wonder is, how does Carrie Fisher feel see, when she sees this and she sees her younger self turn around? I don't think she had anything to do with that. I'm wondering. Yeah, I'm wondering about I th- I'll that. I'll bet I you they sampled Hope out of, out of you know, Carrie Fisher lines. And there's another actress listed as as um, Princess Leia. Hmm. So, so there was another woman body acting. For so, how weird would it be to be Carrie Fisher and all of a sudden see your 19-year-old self on screen again in a movie? Well, I'm I'm wondering. Peter you know, Cushing don't care. <laughs> don't they have to still get the rights? I don't know, know. I don't. You see, I don't know if 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 using his likeness is. I don't know if his likeness is now also as long as. You know, if they put him in a suit and tie and said, "Hi, I'm Peter Cushing," that might be an issue. But as Grant, as an already established character, Grand Moff Tarkin, that they could say they they could say, "Yeah, it's not Peter Cushing. It's the actor that that we put the dots on." You know. Well, so I mean, I my, my question my question is more okay. So in the case of Carrie Fisher, just you know, to focus on one of the two of them because she's she's, she's alive. So yeah, she's, she's under. Al- you know, so my my question is okay. So say they sold their likenesses, which I believe they did because you know there's the action figures and all the novels and all these different things. So Lucasfilm has their likenesses and and can do with with them what they want. Does that ability to use the likenesses of those actors for those characters that does that actually extend to now putting the character back in the movie like they do here with Carrie Fisher but not being financially obligated to pay her for for that I don't know if that's true that seems wrong that could that so could get sketchy because then you could just use current sketchy. actors yeah, that gets super sketchy because what happens well, now if 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 okay, you want to talk say, about say, super sketchy, if you want to talk about super sketchy, how how about someday we don't know if we see that guy in the news clip doing something and saying something and you know and know that it's him. You know what I mean? What, what do you mean? Someday the president comes out and says, "Oh, by the way, you know." Who knows? Anything, you know, and, and meanwhile, the president's in a vault somewhere tied up 
and there's some people with a with a with a laptop there. Right. No, I mean, I'm I'm talking purely movies. I'm talking, <laughs> you know. So say for example, not Ray doesn't die at the end of this movie. Now that she has signed the contracts and and Lucasfilm and Disney own her likeness for the use of the not Ray character. What if all of a sudden they decide in Rogue One, the sequel, they don't want to pay her that they don't want. They don't want her back. And they just she's completely digital in the next movie. Do they have to give her money? I don't know how the Screen Actors Guild, there's probably some, some, if there isn't a rule with the Screen Actors Guild about that, there might be soon. You know what I mean? Yeah. We might be in a situation where now when people start doing contracts, they start signing, you know, making the, you know, their agents start saying, yeah, you can't use this, you know, this actor or actress in any, you know, their likeness in, in any... And I know, like, there's probably limitations mapped out on how you can use your likeness and say, an ad, you know, and stuff like that. Right. Could, you, could you take the actor and use them in an ad for toilet paper when they don't want to, you know, according, you know, probably depending on a contract. But, yeah, I mean, I mean, getting but dead I, actors is one thing, and I know they didn't say anything. They said something like an acknowledgement to Peter Cushing's estate or something like that, which makes right. me think that they didn't pay them, or they didn't. Maybe they didn't care. Maybe they were like, "Hey, you know, go ahead. We love Star Wars, and he would have been into it or something." I don't know how. It, well, I don't what know I'm if saying he would have felt that way. You know, say say you know again. I'm just focusing on Carrie Fisher. Say they don't pay her for this, or they didn't pay her for this, or they didn't even get her permission. She didn't even know about it. And she goes, um, excuse me, I'd like a paycheck because that's me. Yeah. And they go, no, that's Princess Leia. Do Who's, who's got, you know, who's you right? You might have a court situation? battle there, you know? You know, because that is Princess Leia, because that's... The likeness, which they bought and paid for, she didn't have to come in for work that day to in any way portray that character. She didn't have to be filmed. She didn't give her voice. That That is actually Princess Leia, who just happens to share the same face as her. And voice. Are they obligated, either legally or morally, to cut her a check for that? And man, that's... That's yeah, amazing. Well, I mean, then it's like, what's her, like you know? what, what, how much do you count her part in creating the character by looking and speaking the way she did, you know? So right. there's, there's that aspect of it. It could be a real big core. And, and once again, this might be something we're going to find out more about as time goes on, you know, as they start doing making of stuff and, and things like that. And, I'm really curious about that now. I think that's a very interesting question is, you know, I I think it's a great two part question, both morally and legally. Are they obligated? Because I can see I can totally in this particular argument, I can see arguments for and against that are equally convincing. Yes. You know, yes. And I I think that is fascinating. I I don't know. Yeah, I really don't know how I feel about it, because there's one part of me that loves it, loves the idea that someone could do a John Wayne movie without John Wayne. The problem is you can't 
capture the brain of John, you know, they can't computer simulate the brain of John Wayne and the decisions he was would make. They can only get they people's only ideas yeah. of yeah, uh, ideas of how John Wayne would say something. So you get like sort of a secondhand version of it, which is why I think they played down like Grand Moff Tarkin like rolling his R's and you know and camping up like a facial expression or you know raising his eyebrows a little much he was pretty dry but but i mean look how far we've gone in just six years we went from when we saw the the really exciting trailer for tron legacy actually it's more like seven years because i think that was released in like 2009 so we saw that trailer where at the end Clue's helmet lights up and you can see, holy cow, that's like 1982 Jeff Bridges in that mask. Mm -hmm. But it looked a little fake. It looked a little rubbery, a little, you know, like digitally And and, and in the movie when he's talking to his kid in the room, it was neat, but you could tell something was up with it, you know? It was like, ah, yeah, the Uncanny Valley is right out in display. And And I don't know if it was in this. A lot of people are saying, like, that was a sticking point of them. When people were being cryptic, they're like, yeah, there were some CG characters in there that you, when you see it, you'll know. And and it's like see, a I little sketchy CG. Think, and it's like, I don't know if it is. I'm, I think people are thinking people that, that are because saying, they know he's dead. Right. <laughs> you I'm know it's I'm thinking that that's one of those things that people are saying. For one, as you say, because he's dead, because we all know he's dead. But also, I think people say that sometimes just so that they can maybe seem a little, I don't know, like they're trying to puff themselves up like, yeah. oh, he, I can tell he's CGI. Well, you know what? I, I'm not so convinced you really – I think, again, like using your model, I think if you took Joe Dumbass, man on the street, who hadn't seen Star Wars since Star Wars mm-hmm. and showed him this movie and then afterwards, okay – Tell me which one of the human beings has been Wasn't dead real. for, you know, 10 years or whatever. They might not be able to tell you. So I don't I'm not so. But my ultimately what what I'm really getting at is I'm just excited that we're at this point, because now think of what it's what can happen in the future. And you know, we keep focusing on John Wayne, but that was just a name I threw out there. I mean, imagine you know, one of the the great fanboy things so many of us wanted, say, I don't know, at this point, God, I, I hate to admit it, but it's probably like 20 years ago now. But like, say when Generations was in production. There, there's been and, talk of this already. I know where and, you're going with this. And there's been talk of there's already talk of like, hey, you know what? We could have data again. Well, you know, everybody, you could have you could have the original crew back. It might be re- well, yeah, down the I mean, right now it's probably got to be like time they they might have spent a lot of time on those scenes of Grand Moff Tarkin. But oh, yeah, yeah but, conceivably but that's, that's but that's what I'm saying, Chris. I mean, think about like think about the 10 time years from now, and, the, and the technology leaps. and everything yeah. that went into say Jurassic Park, the first one. And then look at like what they do now, Jurassic World, you know, yeah, and, and right. I'm talking just, you know, not quality of filmmaking, obviously, but, you know, just, you know, CGI then versus CGI now. And so right. I'm talking the same type of leap. So we're looking at 
the first real example of long dead actor resurrected in a movie. He might, and, and again, I don't see this, but for some people, he might still look a little fake. He might still look a little stiff. And I will agree with you that there's not a lot of range of emotion in the thing. So I do think they were kind of playing it safe. They didn't want to go too crazy because then that might accentuate the fake. Right. Okay, but this is this is like for 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 this type of CGI. I mean, for this type of CGI, this is Jurassic Park. Yes. So yes. fast forward in time. I'm not even going to go as far. I'm going to say ten years. Ten, ten, ten years, years at from the most. Here, five years probably is more realistic. Yeah. The way but it five goes. to ten years from now, I'm thinking not only could you have a dead actor back and make it completely believable i'm thinking the technology because of how fast technology is moving that five to ten years from now you could have a brand new and i'm just throwing one out there star trek you could have a brand new star trek movie or even like an episode of the star trek tv show with all the original cast completely cgi and you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Uh, yeah, I agree. I, I'm, I'm thinking that really could happen. You would be limited so, by voice acting, but then again, they just um, basically Photoshop has made a Photoshop for voices. And there's been a lot of people writing me to telling me that I need to get this so I can do podcasts with you again. And you, <laughs> and you can literally take... Yeah, you could. You can take someone's voice and write their dialogue out, and it will take the, their words, and it will. It, it has gotten to the point now where it, it sees the nuance in your voice, and it can have you say something. And this is something I can get. I don't know if I can get it right now, but very soon, this is something that could sit on my computer, on anybody's right. computer, and you could just right. like, I could have a whole conversation with you. Especially since I have probably like 800 hours of recorded Scott Gardner voice that you can throw into this, and so yeah, you could you could probably you would probably have to tweak it with humans a little bit, but you could probably have software that that just fine tunes a guy who can do a good Shatner, fine tunes him the tone of his voice to to get it to sound just like Shatner did. Mm-hmm. Tone quality of the microphones that they used in those days and stuff. Yeah, five years, man, maybe. Yeah, ten, ten years. I agree. At the, ten years, definitely. And I, I think, I think that is absolutely amazing because then you have a real chance. You're limited for, by writing and your ima- you're limited by your imagination at that point. Ju- yeah, just Lim- your imagination. Like completely yeah, completely limited. By- so now some of these franchises you know, that we're thinking kind of got played out or they're dead or whatever. Maybe not so much, you know, maybe there's a little bit of life left in them after all, because now you have the the chance to, to make the characters live again. I mean, you're talking, you're talking like, you know, I could, I, one of the first things that springs to my mind, you could have a Sean Connery, James Bond again, if you wanted to. It's pretty amazing to think about. It really is. I, I think that's exciting. I really do. So I don't know. We're, we're just going to have to see where these things go. And not to mention, you know, the fact of, you know, dreaming even even beyond that, you know, even beyond, you know, a new episode of classic Star Trek or maybe like the generations that we all really wanted, you know, a class, you know, mashup between 
you know, next gen, the TV show and the original Star Trek, but also think of, you know, all the fanboy dreaming over the past, you know, 10 plus years of a an 80s style League of Extraordinary Gentlemen pulling in like John McClane and, and RoboCop and, you know, all these different 80s properties into one team. Hell, you could do that yep. with this technology. You know, you could use it to de-age Bruce Willis to be a more 80s. Uh, John you could McClane. do it to just you dispense could... completely with Bruce Willis because he's a pain in the ass on set. <laughs> right, right. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, this, you know, the more I think about it, I mean, that could be a whole nother show. But, I mean, it, it's amazing to think about now that they've done it successfully with this. And that's what the Star Wars is supposed limit. to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm glad that you focused on that element of this movie because that's what I wanted uh, in Force Awakens. That's what yeah. was really missing. I can do, I can deal with the rehash. Forward. I can deal with the sort of like condensed timeline, but I want to see like how is this pushing the envelope? You know, and right. I think they consciously decided not to to do the opposite to say stay in the safe zone for it. And I'm glad. I mean, when when Grand Moff Tarkin turns around in there, this is that movie step just like taking a leap right out of the safe zone because everybody was just like, oh, you know, it's that it's that realization of, oh, my God, they went there. They just did it. They did it. Oh, my God, they did it. <laughs> oh, yep. it's happening and it's still happening. And yeah. uh, they're, they're they're going they're 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 going full gusto with it and yeah my whole my whole theater when I you know in the theater we saw it in the whole theater you could hear all over people whispering he's dead he's dead you know it was <laughs> it's I'm, a zombie it, it was it was that kind of reaction where people were just flabbergasted like wow it's they're this doing is amazing. it yeah, yeah they're doing it. exactly it's not going to be a reflection in the window or something coy like that they're 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 hanging it out there and well, that's what star wars should do hang it out there <laughs> hang it right out there well i think we got a show what do you think i think we do too all right you guys we'll see you again in another year for episode <laughs> eight <laughs> hopefully not that long hopefully not that long If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O. T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. 
We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. Dumbass. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Have you been, Lord, friend my son? Oh, make my bed soon, for I'm weary from hunting. Hey, hey!